Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 60 of Simply Finance with Shane White. Today is a new series that I'm kicking off. Uh, it's called the Athlete Series, and to build on my founder series, which dove in and is currently still diving into founders um, in the business world on in mainly CPG brands. Um, the Athlete series, it, series is a different series going to dive into the stories behind uh, different athletes and how they've taken a passion or hobby and turned it into a career. That's the basis. But we're also going to dive into a lot more. Um, the athletes that I will have on here, we're going to talk about their trials and tribulations of getting into investing, building businesses and income streams outside of their actual athletic careers, uh, and a lot more. So I'm excited to kick it off. Uh, this is episode one of the Athlete Series, and I could not be more thrilled and more blessed to get Matt Frazier on the podcast as my first guest. Um, I was pumped to have him on. Uh, if any of you don't know who Matt is, uh, he is the four-time world champion uh, fittest man on earth, which is given to the winner of the CrossFit Games. So he is the man on top of the totem pole for the individual competition side of CrossFit. Uh, he has made it to the game the last six years. The first two years, he finished second in both, which is impressive, and we get into that. And then the last four years, he's won. He's actually won the games uh, four years in a row. He's a Nike athlete. He's got his own Nike Metcon shoe. Uh, he's sponsored by a variety of other sponsors that you'll know and hear of uh, during the podcast we dive into. Uh, it was a blast. We we actually had to break this into two parts. You'll hear that, and I'll explain it in the middle. Uh, we had an outage um, in the middle of the first recording, so we actually had to meet up again and finish, but we recorded almost three hours with Matt. And uh, it was a blast. So not only do we go into you know his background, uh, but we also go into some topics that he really hasn't talked about publicly before this podcast on Simply Finance, which was exciting. And um, yeah, so you'll hear a lot more. I'm excited for you guys to listen to it. Thanks for listening to this episode. And I hope you guys enjoy. Up next, Matt Frazier. Thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of Simply Finance with Shane White. This is Athlete Series number one, and I am thrilled to have Matt Frazier on the podcast as my first athlete I'm talking to. Matt, thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you. I'm honored to be, honored to be the first. You know, I couldn't pick much better to pick me for the first, so <laughs> thank you. Um, do you want to just give a quick intro of your background and just a little bit about you for people who aren't huge CrossFit fans? Uh, so my background, um, what I'm most well known for is, uh, I've won the CrossFit games the last four years in a row. Um, the only six time podium finisher on the individual side. Um, before that I did my college career, I mechanical engineering and business, um, at university of Vermont and, uh, yeah, try, try to be as invested investing savvy as I can be. Love it. No, that's exciting. It's what I love to hear, man. Um, so yeah, I'd love to start off. I think your background is super interesting. You, I read online too, and I, I know this is pretty public, but you, um, 
you actually went to start training for Olympic weightlifting, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yep. After high school, that was like the big move you made out to Colorado. Yeah. Um, you know, middle school, high school, that was my sport. You know, I did football, um, freestyle skiing, all that stuff, but it was more recreational. Um, the Olympic weightlifting was, was the priority. And, you know, so I got scouted when I was still in high school to go out to the Olympic training center in Colorado Springs, you know, be a full-time resident athlete out there. Um, did that. And, you know, for a long time, that's what consumed me, you know, nothing else in my life mattered. It was all about getting to the Olympics. That was it. Um, so, I mean, this is back in 2008, I graduated high school. Um, so, you know, went out there, did that. Um, and then, you know, education was on the back burner. You know, I was taking one college class, maybe two a semester. Um, and then I broke my back. I broke my L5 in two spots. And so, you know, that kind of made me rethink some goals because, you know, Olympic weightlifting doesn't pay money. There's no future in it. You know, right, most yeah. coaches in it, especially at the time, there was no income, even in coaching it, you coached it out of passion. Okay. Um, and uh, so from there, I moved to the Olympic education center, which is up in Northern Michigan. And so it's usually the feeder system to go from Michigan to Colorado. So in Michigan, they require you to take at least 12 credits. So like technically a full-time student. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so usually it's a feeder system. I went a little backwards because I, I took my sport and then made my uh, school my priority. Right. And then uh, when, when I was in Michigan, the funding for the whole Olympic Association got cut. And uh, so, you know, talking to the parents and it's like, all right, either you can start taking out student loans or you can move back to Vermont and go to UVM for free. Oh, uh, wow, because yeah. my mom worked for the university. So her kids get free tuition. And, uh, so it was either, you know, go into debt or, or uh, move, move to Vermont. And so that was uh, when I made the jump there and then, okay. you know, full-time student, I jumped in with both feet, um, mechanical engineering, and then also got a degree in business and, uh, kind of accidentally just found CrossFit and wow. Just, you know, I think, I think it was like, I had a little touch of uh, success early on, um, without really applying too much. And then I was like, Oh, I think I could be good at this. So then that's when I started working at it and it kind of just snowballed into what it is now. That's wild, man. Yeah. I'd love to unpack that a little bit. So you, you go out to Colorado, <laughs> you end up breaking part of your spine at this point. Are you... Did you want to be an engineer in the first place? Was that kind of like what you wanted to do after Olympic weightlifting or did that kind of fall in your lap too? Yeah. Engineering was always kind of the plan, you know? Um, and it wasn't really directed by my interest. You know, it's, I, I had no idea what different careers meant or were, you know, what different college degrees would mean for a career down the road. Um, it was, you know, talking to a guidance counselor and ever since middle school, I was leaps and bounds ahead of my classmates in math. Okay. Um, and so, you know, that translates to physics and science, all that stuff. Um, I loved building stuff, loved problem solving, you know, just working, tinkering on engines and anything with wheels, all that type of thing. And then I was, I was way, way below average with my reading ability. Okay. And so Got the it. guidance counselor is kind of like, Hmm, you should do engineering. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
and so I just kind of ran with it. That's, uh, that's what I did. Um, yeah, you know, I was just hated reading, loved numbers. Sure. Um, so that's kind of just how I fell into that one. Got it. That makes sense. And then after that, you, you did end up working in engineering, right? Briefly? A little bit. Yeah, I did. I did a uh, summer internship at an aerospace company in Vermont. And that was, let's see, that would have been 2014, the summer of 2014. Okay. And, you know, once again, my idea of a career as an engineer, it's almost half mixed with, I, I don't want to say like mechanic, but I thought I'd be working a lot with my hands. I, was, okay. I thought I'd be like, you know, kind of like the educated, skilled labor. Um, right. And then I got this job as a, as an aerospace engineer and at all the other interns were like through the roof ecstatic of, you know, for, for a summer internship, we were getting paid amazingly. Okay. And, yeah. and all I saw was that like, I have to get up at six. I have to like put on slacks, tucked in t-shirt, a tie. And I, I've never been so miserable, okay. you know, just sitting in a desk and it was the classic like office space oh, yeah. uh, office where it was gray carpet, gray cubicle, gray ceiling. You know, I actually had a coworker say like, oh, it looks like someone has a case of the Mondays. And I was, <laughs> oh my God, I can't do this. And so, you know, it was that, that job that a, it made me realize that I'm not working on my hands, you know, especially an aerospace company where you're building stuff like defense stuff right. for the government it's all paperwork. It was just days and days of reading through contracts and basically everyone trying to hand off liability to the next person. So no one's held responsible. Oh, interesting. Miserable. It was nothing what I thought I was signing up for. And, uh, it, it was that summer that I like really just pushed in all the chips on CrossFit. Cause I was like, a desk job will always be here for me. Sure. If, yeah. If, that's a good point. If in 10 years, you know, the sports career just doesn't work out. I have the degree. I can come back to this, right. um, but this is not what I want for my life. You know, yes. Yeah. Looking forward to that one week paid vacation every year, and like, oh uh, yeah, not not for me. That's a powerful thing to figure out early on, too. It's funny. I have a very oh. similar. I was uh, intern. I worked at Cummins, so like big diesel engines yeah. in finance. And I'll never forget like the first week of being there, I'm like, Oh, like I'm just going to be in Excel all the time. Like that's, yeah. that's my job. It's like, I'm just going to sell all day. That's it. That's nothing else to it, man. Like, Oh and, man, I thought I was going to be building cool trucks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Doing stuff with stocks and uh, yeah. all, you know, fun stuff in, from that finance side of it. And no, it's just, no, you're in Excel. Yeah. That's a powerful thing. So you, you figure that out. And then did you, did you have a job when you like decided to join a CrossFit box and like start training that way? Like that, that's the part of your background. I'd love to learn a little more like how so, that transition happened. So it was kind of, so I've, uh, I've actually never paid for a CrossFit membership. Really? Uh, yep. I've never, yeah, just didn't. Um, so when I lived in Michigan and I would come back to Vermont for like Thanksgiving or Christmas or whatever it was, um, uh, you know, trying to find an Olympic weightlifting gym is pretty tough. Like they're not common. Right. Um, but finding a CrossFit gym, they're on every street corner and they, they have barbells and bumper plates and everything you need to do Olympic weightlifting. So I literally just Googled CrossFit near me Oh. and Champlain Valley CrossFit popped up 
And so I just showed up and said like, Hey, my name's Matt. Like I'm, I'm home on like winter break. Um, can I come in and use your barbells and bumpers? And they were more than welcoming. Just like, yep. Like we have a class at three, just kind of stay out of the class's way and just take whatever you need type thing. Oh, wow. And so I did that and I would show up, took no part in CrossFit, anything. And then, you know, fast forward, probably like eight months or a year when I'm living back in Vermont. Now I was at a stoplight, just sitting in my car, waiting for the light to turn green. And, uh, the owner of the gym, Jay Jenny pulled up next to me and he kind of saw me and I, I hadn't seen him or talked to him in months. And he's like, Hey Matt, you back in town? I said, yeah, yeah. He goes, Oh, we're at, we're at a new location. You just swing by, check it out. Oh, okay, cool. And that, that's, that's what got me to go back in the gym. Cause at that point I had retired from weightlifting. Okay. And so I had no reason to go back into his gym, but then he just invited me over to like, see his new space wow. and like, just catch up with him. And so I just showed up and he says, yeah, if you ever want to like, just come in work out a little bit, feel free. <laughs> and, uh, and since I had stopped weightlifting, I started packing on a little bit of weight and I figured like, you know, once you're in college and I'm a couple years older and I, I don't, I don't go to the parties or, you know, any of that stuff. It's like, how do you meet new people? Right. Yeah. So I was like, Oh, okay. You know, I'll show up. Maybe I'll make a couple friends and that type of thing. And, uh, I would show up just do weightlifting in the corner. And then it was Jade's uh, now wife was a competitor and she would kind of entice me into doing workouts every once in a while. And, uh, and that I, I think between the two of them, they, they were the ones that saw the potential in me of like, Hey, can, can you do this? Can you do that? And, you know, everything just kind of came half naturally to me. And, uh, so yeah, they're, they're the ones who started like pulling me into doing CrossFit workouts every once in a while. And then, uh, and then I saw the potential in it to make a little bit of money. And that's why. So yeah, so this, that's wild. So then at this point you're back in Vermont yep. and are you working somewhere else at this point? No. You- so I was just a full-time college student. Okay. Got um, it. you know, so when I moved cool. back to Vermont, you know, I, uh, I had retired from weightlifting and, and I was just like, I'm jumping into school with both feet, you know, carrying a huge course load. Um, and like I was living at home and uh, just focused everything on school. But it's like, I'm living back in my old child room, like childhood house, yeah. like with my parents. And, you know, it's like, oh, it was, it was a bit of a depressing time. And like <laughs> all my friends went off to college. They're now graduating college and like starting oh because you were kind careers of like and starting a couple years behind and, and with- at this point i was like four or five years behind and so you know it was a pretty humbling pretty humbling moment of i bet yeah like, oh i'm way behind <laughs> yeah right <laughs> oh because you were a little bit behind from going to do the weightlifting out in colorado yeah and i'm so- like so two years in colorado and i mean i maybe took one class a semester because oh, your, wow. your okay. schooling couldn't interfere with your training at all and then when I went to Michigan, you know, I'm taking 12 credits, so three or four classes. Um, but then it was when I was in Michigan, what was it? Oh, they, they had a engineering technician, okay, but not mechanical engineering. Got it. Oh, yeah. So I was like half my credits didn't transfer back. And, you know, once I realized I knew I was moving back to Vermont, but I was still in Michigan, I, I only took math and physics. Uh, because I didn't want to take the engineering technician courses that wouldn't transfer back. And so, I mean, 
by the time I graduated, I probably had double the credits that I needed. Like my college career was like eight years long, four different colleges all, all in. It right. was, it was a mess. But, long, long route, but I mean, yeah. got you to where you ended up, right? At least for, yeah. Now. I mean, by, by the end of it, I kind of realized like, you know, the timeline of like, you have to graduate college in four years. Who cares? Who cares if you graduate six months late or three months or like, it the doesn't matter. Things, you're like, what are you, big... what are you late for? Right. Exactly. Like you're not showing up to jobs and they're like, oh, you're 22 and a half. Well, why aren't you 22? No, no one's looking at that. No one cares. No, no, no. Um, yeah. So Got I learned it. that oh, now. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So the, okay. So then you, you started doing CrossFit just kind of nonchalant. It sounds like while you're Very. in school. And then I'm assuming, was there like a, did you try to, did you go to like some sort of low level competition? Is that kind of your first dose into like making money? with CrossFit? So, so my first dose of that was actually an in-house competition that my gym was hosting. Oh. And so the same guy, Jay Jenny, um, the owner of Champlain Valley CrossFit, he, he's hosting this competition and, and he told me, he's like, Hey, I, I want you to sign up for this. And I was like, yeah. Sure. It's in house. I'm in. And, uh, and he's like, all right, it's, there's like 50 bucks or 75 bucks for the entry fee. Okay. And I just like, sorry, man, I don't have 75 bucks. And, and he's like, all right, I'll sign you up for the competition. I'll pay the fee. But if you win any money, you have to buy a pair of CrossFit shoes. <laughs> Cause I was working out in like Air Max nineties or something love like that. I like, go. do you have any pictures of that? You gotta. Share oh yeah. That someday. Oh yeah. There's, there's pictures from that first competition. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, so I was like, well, all right. Yeah. If I win cash, I'll spend it on a pair of shoes. Um, you know, I've, I have no skin in the game right now. Per yeah. Perfect. And, uh, and so anyways, I did the competition and I won and you so know, your first competition you ever did, you won. Yeah. I mean, it was small. Sure. Um, you know, it's just still. like a couple of the gyms from the area all got together basically, but yeah, they hand me a gift certificate to lululemon for like a nice. hundred bucks and i'm like hundred bucks oh my <laughs> god like and then once you know lulu like you get a pair of like tube socks for that i was gonna say that's not um, gonna get you much but but then but then the other part of the prize was 500 cash and Sick. that i was like oh my god 500 bucks this is this is right. tops right here and uh and i remember after that i asked uh danny the jade's i think it was girlfriend at the time who was a competitor i said like hey are there competitions like this like all the time and she was like oh yeah every weekend oh wow like, really and she was like yeah like here's this website this is where you can find them all and i just started hitting them all and like it was a thousand bucks here two thousand bucks there and like i'm a full-time college student doesn't have right. a job i'm living at home i'm driving like this hoopty of a car and so you know like i'm like man i can make some gas money i can like and like I, at that point i'm like i don't even if my friends are going to a movie i'm like 23 years old i'm having to like hey mom can i have 10 bucks to go to the movies with my friends right um so i'm like man i can make some pocket money this is this is like fantastic. a side hustle at this point right that that's exactly how i yeah. looked at it of like i'm like hustling these local competitions on the weekend and you know they just sort of built you know i did that first one for 500 i think the next one was for two grand and then four grand then five grand and you know the competition you know usually the bigger the prize money the more competition there is so you know i'm going against these bigger and bigger names i have more experience um 
and it just kind of evolved. And then remember there's one competition. I was the only person competing in the final heat that wasn't a games athlete. Like I hadn't been oh, to wow. the world championships. Yeah. And, and what uh, year is this? This is like, just so I have some context when you're doing these a little bit bigger this, ones, this is 2013. 13? Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So I remember the first competition I went to with like fellow games athletes was 20, the East coast championships in like 2013. Okay. And the final heat was 12 guys, all the, the all other 11 had been to the games and like a lot of them had like big names in the, in the space. And, and I'm just like this, like kid, I'm so out of my comfort zone. I don't know what I'm doing. And you're like, uh, I'm just trying out here, make some money. <laughs> that, that was literally it. I was like, everyone, like, you know, they're all coaches in the space. They all own gyms. They oh, like, wow. this is their careers. And I'm just like, yo, I was told there's five grand up for grabs. So <laughs> that's why I'm here. Um, yeah. So, you know, sometimes it, that probably like had, you probably had more like passion and drive to, I mean, for you, like making five grand might've been a bigger deal than some of these guys who they've been to the games and they've done other things. Yeah. I mean, like I, at that competition, I didn't have any sponsors. Um, you know, so like my only income was prize money. And, uh, I remember it was after that competition. Um, one of the sponsors that were there, like they had booths set up. One of them came over to me and just like handed me a contract and they're like, Hey, Wow. Like, we want to sponsor you. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, what, what does that mean? And, you know, if you're trying to read these contracts, it's all in lawyer language. And it's like, if you don't know what you're looking for, it might as well be Chinese. Like right. you can't understand any of it. And, uh, well, they're probably trying to get you locked into something too quick. It's like, Oh, I mean, you yeah, too, they're, it's like they're, they're trying to lock deal. you up for 10 years and they pay you pennies and it's like, you get free product and, Right. Uh, and like, you have to do 15 appearances a year. You need to post for us twice a day for every day, you know, like oh God. they're just not good contracts and sure. why would they be? Um, I mean, how did you navigate that? That's probably interesting for someone who wants to get into this. Like, how did you navigate getting that first contract? Cause I'm sure you were so pumped, but to your point, like, what do I so do? I, I saw the contract and like, there's all the like liability language and all that stuff in there. That's like most of the meat of the contract, but the one page that you want is the deliverables for both parties. And so that's what do I need to give the company in terms of like promotion or whatever. And then what are they giving me in terms of pay or salary or bonuses, what, whatever. And I, I looked at the contract and it was, I got free, free product and a thousand dollars a year. And I was, I, I, I was ready to sign on the dotted line. Yeah, like a thousand I mean, bucks like, just to be a spot, just to have them on my on my name on their stuff. Hell yeah! I I I was looking at like I'm a broke college student. Like every time I I want a jug of protein, I got to ask my mom to drive me down to the GNC. Yeah, and then like she's forking out the money, so I'm like, do I get free protein powder? And you're gonna pay a thousand dollars? Like this is a no brainer. And uh, I had a buddy at the time who like very very new friend. Um, and he was trying to help me in the space and he, he was starting, starting a company in the space, wanted me to be involved. And like, I mean, this is like my second or third time meeting this dude. And, uh, and he just kind of said like, Hey, um, I, I deal a lot with contracts for my regular job. Do you want me to read through that and make sure you're not like signing your life away? Oh, that's nice. 
yeah, yeah. What, what's the harm in that? And so I gave it to him and he comes back to me a week later and he got the pay up to like four grand and he, and he got my deliverables chopped down like in fractions. Oh, and wow. I was just blown away of like, how, I didn't know that was an option. Like, how did you sure. get those changed? And he's like, oh, I, I found it. I found someone at the company and I had a phone call with them. I was like, what? Like that's <laughs> like the idea of negotiating for more money and less deliverables never crossed my mind. Sure. I bet um, not. Yeah. Right. And, and so like the rumors of that started getting around to other athletes and other athletes, like perennial games athletes, like these big names in the space at the time were coming to me of like, Hey, I heard you have this guy. I heard you have this guy that like helps you. And I'm like, you mean O'Keefe? Like that's him right there. And so he <laughs> oh, started, was O'Keefe. Oh, yeah. That's funny. And so okay. he started doing this with all these other athletes and, uh, and then he quickly realized like nobody in the space has representation. Like nobody oh, understands wow. what they're reading in these contracts. These companies are taking advantage of these athletes and just like raking them over the coals. And this is probably at a time when CrossFit, I mean, like, this is like when those years are like, right. When like people are starting to get big and brands are really starting to get involved. It's probably a weird inflection point. It, it was, it was a very, it was a crazy time because probably two years prior, if a shoe company offered you free shoes for eight years, yeah, you, you're signing the contract. Like, why oh, would yeah. you not take free shoes? Right. And, uh, and then like two years later, it's like people are getting paid to wear shoes and it's like, Oh man, I just signed an eight-year deal, not thinking that this would ever be an option. Um, right. And so it was O'Keefe that saw it in the space of like these athletes being taken advantage of, and he saw the potential for the growth in the future. And so he started doing it professionally, um, helping and representing, being the agent and manager for basically every big name in the in the sport. That's wild. What yeah. a wild, I did not know that part of the story. And this is funny too, because I have a piece of paper in front of me and I just wrote some stuff down and I, I'm thinking in my head, you're talking about 2013, you're on finally on, you know, this stage was like your biggest competition. And then in 2014, you're second at the CrossFit game. So you didn't really mm -hmm. have that big of a, it wasn't like it was a slow, gradual process. Yeah, I mean, like I you kind of jumped I, in and, and just hit it. I mean, I put on some mileage in 2013. Okay. Um, I traveling around side hustling. Yeah, like every competition. So in 2013, I remember, so I started CrossFit. The first time I did like a CrossFit workout was in 2012. Um, in 2013, so Jay Jenny signed me up for the Open, which is like the first online qualifier for the whole season. Right. And he would walk me through the workouts. And this was like, I'm showing up Friday to do the workout. He would tell me, be here Friday at 4 p.m. I'll show up oh. Friday at 4 p.m. And then he wouldn't see me again until the next Friday. Like I'm not training or doing anything. And I like basically accidentally qualified for regionals. Oh, wow. And then it was after regionals, you know, I get, I get bundled at regionals cause I'm not in shape or training. And then I realized I could start making some money doing this. Um, and so then I, I realized like, Oh, if I want to make that money next weekend, I need to work on my weaknesses now. So I'm right. better. And so that's what I started doing. Um, and it was any competition that had a, had prize money. I was there. And, and is this in Vermont East coast? Is this basically, basically like all of new England. Okay. Um, and I remember, so I'm full-time college student and I remember 
there was one stretch, I think it was six weeks where I would have to have like my mom or my girlfriend pick me up from school on, I think it was Thursday. I'd have to talk to my teacher, say, Hey, I'm missing Friday. I'll get all the assignments in, but like, can I do it over email or whatever? Um, I would fly out Thursday and I would compete like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or Friday, Saturday, whatever it was. Um, and then I would like catch a red eye back. Like if the competition was out in California or something, I would catch a red eye back land first thing Monday morning. And I would tell whoever was picking me up at the airport. Like I need this textbook, this notebook, like all this oh, wow. stuff. Yeah. It picked me up and just dropped me off at school Monday morning. And I did that like six weeks in a row because it was like, I think that stretch, it was like each competition was like 10 grand. I was going to say, it must have been good enough money to be flying. And it's that I'm like, there's at the time I was like, there's not much I won't do for 10 grand. Like (laughs) someone with $0 to my name and I have the opportunity to 10 grand every weekend. I'm in, Yeah, you know, um, and just like wrecked my body. Did that six weeks. Like I wasn't training. I was pulling all nighters. I'm still trying to juggle a full engineering course load. It was, that's not easy too. Yeah. We left that part out. You're still getting an engineering degree. While yeah, you're doing yeah. This. <laughs> yeah. And I, I had some teachers that, you know, every, every week I'm like, Hey, I'm going to miss Friday. I might be late on Monday. Is it okay? And, you know, they're kind of pulling me aside. Like, Hey, is it worth what you're doing? You know, you're missing a lot of your education. I'm like, well, I'm still getting it done. And uh, they're like, what are you doing? Like, is it worth it? I'm like, yeah, it's worth it. I'm in. <laughs> Cause at that point, did you, once you got like a taste of it, was it, was it partially like you love the type of training or was it like you could envision yourself being at the games or like, what was your motivation at that early point when, um, you're, when you're starting so to travel? No, no part of it. it. No part of it was looking at, um, I want to qualify for the games or I think I'm capable of winning the games. Any of that literally all I saw was, I have an opportunity to make 10 grand a weekend. Got it. And if I bust my ass, I can, if I just keep doing 10 grand a weekend. Yeah. Like that's phenomenal money. Like regardless of where you are in life, 10 grand a week is, is money, money. That's big, an amazing paycheck. Um, and so I was literally just trying to build a, like this little like nest egg at home. And so every time I would get like another check from a competition or another bonus from a sponsor, whatever it was for a long time, I didn't have a bank account. It was just literally going under my mattress. I was like, I'm saving this money for the day I graduate college. Then, you know, when I start in the workforce, I don't have to get stuck with like, you know, not having enough for a down payment on our house or like if like having to drive this old crappy car and like being late for work, you know, it was, I was looking at like, I'm saving every dime of this so that when I enter like the real world, I can start just like one, one leg up, you know, that makes sense. Um, Yeah. It's like, I mean, it's a great mentality even, you know, at that point, not thinking about it as a career in CrossFit, just thinking of it as like bettering your position when you get out of school. Yeah. I, I just always looked at, I never looked at it as like a career building for something in like, career wise in the future it was like i was always assuming that this could all go away tomorrow i need to get my hands on as much as i can and just stash it away because this is not this gravy train is going to end at some point right right um so i I did a little while where i would spend 10 percent of any paycheck i got um just on something 
for me, you know, like a, like a luxury. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, kind of like a good job. We yeah, exactly. Like a pat yeah. on the back, you right. know, here's a reward for your hard work. Um, and then the other 90% just like, I didn't touch. It just went into savings. Okay. Um, and, and then after a while I even cut out that 10% because I was just buying stuff that like, I was literally like having to search for something to oh, okay. buy, even though yeah. I didn't really want it, but I was like, no, like you have this rule, you need to spend this. <laughs> um, and I realized it was even that 10% was getting wasted. Okay. So I just went, no, I'll just save it all. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Cause at that point, what did you have a, did you have, were you at your parents' house still? Cause did you have a place to buy like gym equipment or I know you're a big gun fan. So did you have, you know, um, yeah, yeah so I was, still, I was still at my parents' house. Okay. Um, yeah. Living in my parents' basement. Um, you know, the gym equipment I bought a little bit, but I think that, I think I was getting most of it for free at that okay. point. Oh, um, nice. You know, and like so many of the things in my life, you know, like the first time I talked to an accountant, he's like, all right, we need to go through business expenses. You can write off all your equipment. I'm like, ah, I get it all for free. He's like, all right, well, what about supplements? Ah, I get that for free. What about clothing? Ah, I get that for free. And he like rent. I'm like, nah, I get that for free. Car <laughs> payment. I'm like, nah, <laughs> you know, it was, uh, yeah, it, it was a rough, rough first time ever paying taxes. I, I had zero zero write-offs right um but uh yeah i mean i i didn't really spend money um you know and i've always been frugal so even on things that i enjoy i have a tough time spending money on myself okay um yeah so you know like guns motorcycles and like, like i didn't really spend that much money on it and when i did it hurt okay it hurt a yeah. lot <laughs> right 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 well if you're a frugal person that makes sense too i mean yeah. that goes a long way right i mean because at that stage making that kind of money and then becoming more successful. I mean, it's a powerful thing to hold on to. Yeah. And I, I think I just always, I think the big thing was I never thought I'd be able to make a full-time career. I was like, I'm never going to retire off my CrossFit money. Right. Um, and so I always assumed like, I'm going to have to get a desk job at some point. So it's either, you know, when I'm making this great money, I can either live like I'm making this great money. And then when I get a desk job, my quality of life is going to significantly drop sure oh, or yeah. or i can live like i'm broke and pack everything everything away and then maybe you know one day when i get my desk job um you know i don't have a mortgage i don't have a car payment you know retirement funds already started i could just i could either like live like a king now and then live normally the rest of my life or live like a peasant now and then my quality of life from kind of now on you, right? will be just like one step up, you know, right. I'm a little bit more financially free. Um, and so I carried that on for a very, very long time of just always assuming I had to get a desk job at some point. So it's like, well, no, this is kind of like bonus money. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, it's a great mentality. It's kind of yeah. like always having a, a target on your back too. You know what I mean? No, you mm -hmm. thinking you're, it's not going to last forever. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. uh yeah. And after a while, you know, once I start making more money and like the career has gone on way longer than I ever anticipated. Yeah. Um, you know, you start kind of wondering like, Oh man, like, well, why am I doing this? You know, if I'm having this great career, but I'm not kind of rewarding myself for it. Um, you know, well, what's, what's the point of doing this and training the, on the days that I don't want to get out of bed or, you know, something's tired or something's aching, you know, um, so, you know, I started having the conversations with, 
with friends and people that I know in the space that have also been successful. And, you know, cause I, I don't know how to budget. Okay. I, yeah. I had no idea of, you know, I just always lived like I was broke. Got it. Yeah. And Love so it. I've, I feel like there's two extremes. Either people start making great money and they start spending great money. Sure. There's my scenario where I started making great money, but I kept living like I was making none. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you know, that was really eye-opening, starting to have those conversations with, with friends. And, you know, just one that's super simple. If, like, I asked uh, one friend who's done very well for himself, and I'm like, how much of your money do you spend, like, on a smile? You know, like, you're like that money, it's on a depreciating asset or a trip or food, whatever it is. Sure. Once it's gone, it's gone. Right. And he was like, uh, you know, 15, 20%. He's like, why? How much do you spend them? None. Like, <laughs> I was like, I, I don't know how to do that. You know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, I mean, it's smart. I mean, I would say you're probably in the uh, minority when it comes to that. I would think most people probably are on the other end. So that's, that's a powerful position to be in, especially as you're trying to grow a career. Yeah. You know, most people probably see $10,000 and like, holy shit, I have $10,000. I can go spend on whatever the hell I want. Yeah. You know, uh, like I, I've, I remember, when I, when I wanted to buy a new car, you know, my car started breaking down and like, I think I missed an exam or I was late for something with school. And I was like, okay, like I need to get a reliable car. And I went into, to a buddy that he works in the automotive industry and I was basically going, sorry folks, uh, in the middle of recording part one, we had a power outage here in Chicago. So right after this, uh, is when we link back up with Matt and finish this episode. Uh, so thanks again for listening to Simply Finance with Shane White. Right after this, we'll be Matt, part two. Cool. Well, um, for everyone listening, I didn't really explain at the beginning. I torn- uh, not, uh, not an actual tornado, but something similar to a tornado went through right in the middle of our first part of our episode, and we got cut off. And I actually, we, we didn't have power for 30 hours. We just got it back. Really? Yesterday afternoon. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, it took a long time. So it was actually a pretty big thing. Like we had a ton of Chicago got smoked. So um, thank you, Matt, for coming back on here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sorry, you know, I got interrupted. No, not no, not obviously nothing we can do about it. But thanks for coming back on. Um, if I remember correctly, right before we got cut off, it was funny. I was trying to backtrack and think about it yesterday. We were talking about um, 2013 and your first run at basically getting to the Atlantic Coast Finals. I think I don't remember the na- exact name of what it was called because we were really getting into how you started just making some weekend money and it was kind of becoming yeah. a side hustle competing in CrossFit tournaments. Hmm. Yeah. And then, I mean, I, I have the memory of a goldfish. Yeah. So, no, you're fine. <laughs> so, I mean, there, there might be some, uh, some repeat going on, uh, on, on part two. That's um, fine. Yeah. So you said well, you were like at the state, you were like about to start and you were like the only one in line. Okay. Last yeah. Week. Yeah. So that was, that was the East coast championship. Okay. And you're saying you got one offer for a deal uh, for like a, uh, oh, okay, I, yeah. I think it was yep. protein powder and you were saying yep. how people were, you know, you, you had, you read through it and you're like, what the hell is some of this stuff in here? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of where we were. I, I, I didn't care like how many obligations I had, you know, um, I, I was all for, it. I'm like, you're going to pay me and give me free supplements. Yeah, I'm in. Right. Um, and then that's how I met, um, like to this day, I mean, best friend, manager, agent, um, it's rare. You'll see me traveling without him attached to my hip, uh, Matt O'Keefe. And, uh, so, I mean, that's how that relationship kind of took off was 
he kind of said like, you know, I, I'm in the insurance business. I read contracts all the time. I kind of know what some of the oh, legal, is that his background? Like jumbo got it. means. And so he literally just read it as a friend and then brought it back to me with more money, less, less, uh, like posting, less appearances, everything. And, uh, yeah. And so word got around to other athletes that there was someone that could do that and was willing to do that. And, uh, yeah. So, I mean, everyone just started coming to him with contracts. Oh, wow. Hey, can you review this? Can you help me out here? Can you talk to this person for me? And so, I mean, he turned, he saw an opening in, in the space and, and just ran with it. Sure. And, yeah. I mean, now I think he, I think he has 18 athletes. Oh, wow. Um, I mean, That's a lot of, a lot of the top perennial athletes. Um, yeah. So, I mean, he turned it, he turned it into a business. That's awesome. And so for you at this point, did you win? that championship yep yeah so that yeah. one um yeah so that was kind of my first time ever you know getting to meet some of the games athletes you know i i remember i got to actually talk to and meet a lot of these guys and at the time i had no idea who they were um, oh sure yeah and so i'm just i'm like oh we're in the same situation you know we're doing the same thing we're just joking around in the warm-up area and then I would be talking, talking to O'Keefe and he's like, Hey, you know, I'm like a kid that he just dropped off at daycare and he's like, Hey, you making any friends back there? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm hanging out a lot with this guy. Uh, you know, Tommy, uh, Hucklebuck or something. And he's like, Tommy Hackenbrook. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's him. Yeah. Super <laughs> nice guy. And he's like, yeah, he's the two time affiliate champ. Like you should know his name. Uh, that's and then, funny. Like, you know, that was the first time I met Chris Spieler and, uh, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was really cool for me, you know, getting to meet all these guys, um, you know, doing some higher level competition. Um, yeah, it, it was, it was a really good time. And, you know, I think it was, I really, really enjoyed those times because no one knew who I was. So, you know, sure. if I, that was totally did, different. If I did well, uh, it was pats on the back. And if I didn't like, there was no expectation. So there's no criticism. Um, so, you know, every workout I can just go out and I'm not, I have no care in the world. You know, I'm uh -huh. just swinging yeah. for the fences on every event. Um, yeah. I, I, I look back at like the good old days. Like those, those were fun times. Oh, I bet, man. And, and was that like, I'm sure that was obviously winning that. I mean, that's gotta be like, was that the springboard into, into like making bigger money and like making it into, at that point, did you start to kind of pivot to be like, wait, maybe this could be more than just like a side hustle on the weekends. Uh, I think at that point, um, I don't think that really brought too many, too many, uh, like sponsors barking, you know, like the one supplement sponsor came into the picture then, but especially, I mean, I mean, we're talking six, seven years ago, um, all sponsors cared about was your performance at open regionals games, you know, like sure. these non-sanctioned non-crossfit run competitions, they were cool and like you raised some eyebrows in in that network um but it's not like you know wadapalooza or granite games or dubai is now where it's like you know if you win one of those now it's pretty rare that you're doing well there and not well at the games whereas uh back then you know these kind of smaller competitions there wasn't always a good uh, like a good pool of athletes. So, you know, you may have someone random show up and just have the events line up and them do well at them. 
but I think for my regional, uh, that definitely put me on the map. That put me on the radar of the other competitors that that knew they would be seeing me again in whatever, what, like six months at regional. Right. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. No, that makes sense. So then that's 2013. 2014 season comes around. Is it, At this point, have you are you done with school? In your, oh, what did no. you do in 2014? You're still no, in school? I, I was still, I was in school until the 2016 season. Oh, were you really? Okay. Until halfway through the 2016 season. Um, yeah, 2014, you know, I'm still kind of taking it lightly, um, you know, training an hour a day. Um, still kind of looking at it as like hustling. Um, yeah. So even in 2014, you were training an hour a day? Yeah. Yeah, probably. You know, okay. I, I may have done like a little bit extra, like um, I had a rower in my basement. So, you know, I may have done some rowing intervals as a second session. Um, okay. But even that, I mean, I didn't know what I was doing. It was yeah. just sit on the rower, pull as hard as you can for as sure. long as you can and right. take a break. Um, yeah, 2014, still full-time student. Um, hmm. Yeah, so the 2014 season came and I like, I got second place at the games. Yeah. I, I showed up the games like I made some of the most foolish mistakes that year because I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't know what I was in for. Like, I didn't know, like, all right, you know, for 15 events over four days, you need to eat this way. You need to sleep this way. You, you need to do this for body maintenance. I was just taking it for what it was. You know, I was having a good At that time. point, was that probably like the longest stretch of a competition you've ever done? Oh, too? my God. Like, yeah. Like triple of anything I'd ever done before. Definitely. Um. So, you know, I just didn't know the importance of, you know, eating. Like, oh, sure. So, yeah. like, during the games, you're not hungry. When you're working out and competing like that, and it's like your windows of downtime are so small. So, you just never, like, you never want to sit down and, like, have a big feed because you're like, I need to perform in, like, 45 minutes. I don't want to go out there with a full belly. So, I remember one, I remember it was, like, the <laughs> second or third day of competition thinking, like, man, this is really convenient that I'm not hungry. Like, I don't have to eat. This is awesome. I'm saving so much time. <laughs> yeah. By the night event, I remember being on the floor and, and like, they're like 20 second warning, 10 second warning. And I remember thinking, like, I could curl up on this starting mat and just fall asleep right here. Wow. I remember being so tired. I was like, and I told myself, I was like, if you hit the finish line, as soon as you hit the finish line, you can lay down and just take a nap. <laughs> um, and so looking back now, it's like, oh, I didn't eat anything the entire day. Of course I was tired. Um, but yeah, so I came out of that competition with second place and that was a nice, nice chunk of change for someone who's just kind of winging it. Going to school, um, winging it, training yeah. another day. Yeah. Yeah. And I, but you know, I came back from that competition and I remember showing back up to the, to my internship at that aerospace company Okay, and my boss looked at me and was like, what the hell are you doing here? <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? I have, I have like two weeks left. And he's like, yeah, I figured you would have quit. Like you just, you just made a ton of money. Why'd you show back up? And I was like, Oh, I, I didn't know that was an That's option. That's my side hustle, man. Exactly. About? Um, yeah. 2015. Uh, yeah. After the 14 season is when a lot of the sponsors come Cause you know, at the time, a lot of the other competitions weren't recognized. All sponsors in the space cared about was the games, was your yeah. placement at the games. Um, for a long time in contracts, that was the only competition that was incentivized of like, 
if you get podium at the games, this is your bonus. If you win the oh. game, you get top 10. That was the only incentive bonus, really, okay. um, for most contracts. Um, uh, yeah, so, you know, that's when a lot of, like, the bigger name sponsors, you know, that's when the Nikes, the Reeboks. Um, yeah, I'm sure after being second at the Started game, knocking. So to, um, right. And, uh, and then basically, I, like, for lack of a better term, I just fucked off all the 2015 season. Like, okay, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I think I've heard you talk about that before. Yeah, you know, it was... Um, Is that... And then why was that? At that point, were you were you thinking, like... Well, because I, I was taking it so lax in the 2014 season. Like, when I was in the gym, I would try hard, and I would do my thing. Sure. But as soon as I left the gym, that was it. Like, I wasn't eating right. I wasn't putting effort into my sleep schedule, into mindset, anything. It was just, right. I trained hard, end of story. Um, and then, so I got second place without knowing what I was doing. And so then I was, I was just resting on my laurels of like, oh man, well, I can just train a little bit harder. And the first place guy is retiring. Yeah. Shoe in. And then, you know, there's that false sense of security of, I had won the open that year. So, you know, I was going in the top rank person and, um, and so, you know, I got the results I deserved of. I got second place again. Yeah. Um, and still, you know, the sponsor. So even at that point though, can I ask, like, were you like, I have to, I have to imagine like if I was in those shoes, you finish second and then you're like, you're kind of training just at the level you've been training. You're still in school at this point. Are you kind of starting? Is the wheel starting to kind of spin the, like, am I really going to finish school? Am I just going to like go all in Um, on this? Cause if I can win this year, like, so, I mean, looking at it, it's, you know, so for anyone who doesn't know, winning the CrossFit games, I think the guaranteed prize money is 300,000. It's a great payday. Yeah. Um, if you look at it as like, if someone said that my annual salary is 300,000, it's like, man, kudos. That's, that's great. Um, but you know, you're not living carefree of any expense at 300,000 a year. Like you're comfortable by all means. But you know, you're not going out buying Ferraris and just vacation homes yeah, and all that stuff. You're not Michael Jordan or anything like that at that level, right? You're and not- now knock it down one more time of like, all right, you had one year of three hundred thousand. Yeah. It's like, okay, that's a nice perk. Sure. Um, but if it's only one time, it's not really life altering, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's um, true. So I always looked at it as like, okay, even if I got that one time. I'm not retiring off it. So I still need my education. And, you know, just for so long, it was like school was the number one priority. It always was, you know, I always said like, no, like CrossFit comes second school is first. Um, So, you know, I had some good paydays. I had some good sponsorship. You know, I was, I was making great money for a college student, right? But I knew, I mean, even now, like I'm, I've lasted, my sports career has lasted, five times longer than I ever thought it would. Um, so, so yeah, school was always the number one priority. Um, you know, I always thought I would have to fall back to being an engineer at some point. And so that stayed my number one priority until, um, I forget what it was. I think it was after the 15 season, you know, my mom, who's family physician, incredible, like incredibly intelligent woman um, finally kind of pulled me aside and was like, yo, you're going to like, you're going to take this CrossFit thing seriously. Like you have a 
crazy opportunity. Um, this is know, after finishing second. I think, 14, yeah, I think 15. it was after the 15 games. Okay. And, you know, I had one, maybe two semesters left in school and she was kind of like, Hey, like, are you going to put the school thing on hold and pursue this? Cause like, this is once in a lifetime. Sure. Um, yeah. And so, you know, that was really shocking because, you know, for her, she's a doctor, you know, school was always such a huge priority. Uh, her and my dad both had a sports career. Um, and so, you know, getting that, like, that like almost permission from your parents to like stop school. It's like, Oh, okay. That was going to be one of my and, questions is like, yeah, wait, what'd your parents think of this, this whole endeavor? Yeah. Um, yeah that's wild. I mean, to get the backing so, to go for it. Yeah. So, you know, I had one semester left. Um, and I think if, because it was like, I had that semester and then I think I had like four months before okay. the next games. Um, so I, I just finished it up. I, I was like, ah, I don't want to like put this on hold for, two, three years, however long it is, and then have to like refresh Jump my back. memory on yeah. all of this. And so I was like, fuck it. I'll just, I'll just finish it and then never look back type thing. But yeah, that's wild. So then, okay. So then 2015 happens, you're set, you, you're finished second. The year goes by now we're heading into the 2016 games. You're, you have your degree. Yep. And so what's your mindset at this point? Like, I mean, I know you've, you've obviously gotten two purses from second place. You've won some other tournaments. You have some sponsorship deals. Like at this point, are you, is there any of that change or is it still kind of like, yeah, this is still going to be like, a, this might be a short term thing. Like, um, I think after, after the 15 games, you know, like uh, for lack of a better term, I was depressed. You know, okay. I, I had set this expectation. I thought I had it in the bag and um and then it was just like this punch in the face and just this just this wave of disappointment and um so you know i didn't train for a couple months didn't go to the gym anything and like i i didn't know if i wanted to do it try it all again and have like the option or the possibility of dedicating my life to this thing and never winning right like after coming second place twice, now it's a real possibility of, man, like I could dedicate everything and not get the results I want. So, um, you know, set, just sat down with a notepad and kind of went through it of like, well, what do I want? And, um, and I, I think the conclusion of that was just, um, I'm not going to leave anything to what if I think the, the base of all of my notes were that I wouldn't, be disappointed in myself of never winning if I did everything like the 2015 season was so disappointing because I knew there was things that I knew I should be doing, but I just cut the corners on. Yeah. So, sure. so I just went through and, you know, 2016, it was like, I gave myself a bedtime, a wake up time. I gave myself a diet. Um, I forced myself to do warm ups, cool downs, prehab, uh, scheduled body maintenance. And I just told myself like, I'm not going to leave anything to what if like i am dedicating every like engineered the hell out of your training it's that baby steps yeah. for every single day and um and basically just almost like i'm okay for a year to not have a social life to not you know see friends have or like i, I had a girlfriend um but you know it was it was a distance relationship and even that was you know she was living in providence and i'm in vermont and it was every other weekend, one of us would drive. So it ended up, you know, you're doing the drive once a month. And then like three months before the games, I just finally said, like, hey, I'm sorry. Like, I can't go down 
I can't go to your apartment because a, it's four hours in the car. Then I'm not training at my gym. I'm not sleeping in my bed. I'm not eating my food. Um, and so she made the trip up to me. You okay. know, I left, I left nothing to what if. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. It totally makes sense. So you became like scientific and then you win. So after you win, does that unlock a whole new level of like this becoming a career for you? Yeah. I think at that point, you know, the thought of like, ah, maybe trying to find a part-time engineering job or something like that. It was like, that was off the table. It was like, okay, okay I'm right. doing this full time. And you know, yeah. my, my every waking moment revolved around it. Sure. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think, I think I had, I, I've, I've been with most of my sponsors for, a long time now. So I think since 2016, I've had about the same group. Kind oh, of have you? Okay. Me. Yeah. yeah. Who's, you know, who's your main one, Jimmy? I know you're with Nike, Rogue. I saw Beam because I'm, I'm big in like, I'm interested in like the CBD space. Yeah. So that's an interesting one I saw. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nike, Rogue, Beam, Compex, Theragun. Um, probably gonna get in trouble. I'm gonna. Oh yeah, I, 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 I have the memory of a goldfish. Yeah. No, you're fine. Uh, <laughs> I go. I had actually. I tried go on for the first time recently, and I. Yeah. You're, you're like on there. Like, oh shit, there you go. Yeah, and you know, it's early on when you know it's a side hustle, and like, if any sponsor came up to me and they're like, "Hey, we'll give you, we'll give you this amount for a post, or we'll give you this amount to promote us for the year," I was like, "Dude, right. give, give me your money." You know, yeah, like, this is easy. Post it, pay, it, yeah. exactly like. I'm, I'm used to working this aerospace job where it's like, you're sitting at a desk for two weeks, 40 hours a week. And then my take home pay, I think was like 1400 bucks. Yeah. And so when someone's coming up and like, Hey, we're going to pay you like two grand a month. It was like, show me, yeah. show me where you're to like, sign. Wait, just, wait, hold on. You're like, wait a minute. That just yeah, pays for I more than the other. Internship. Exactly. Didn't care about the product. Didn't care if I used it or liked it or anything. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, when, once I spent more time in the space and, you know, I've been lucky enough to, you know, I have the opportunity to kind of take my pick of what I want sure. um, in terms of sponsorships, you know, I kind of changed that around of like, okay, you know, the, the number one rule of a salesman is don't sell something you wouldn't buy yourself. So, you know, I've partnered myself yeah. up with these sponsors that a, I like the product B, you know, I use it on a regular basis. And then the last part is that I get along with the people at the company. So, important. Um, you know, just, it's just, you know, one of those little slivers of if you're mentally healthy, you know, it's going to, it's going to reflect in your performance. So if the people that I work with on a daily basis are more enjoyable, I'm more likely to be more enjoyable. So, right. Right. Yeah. So that's interesting. So then, yeah. So I guess like, you know, as we're having this conversation, like really thinking about, you know, CrossFit and athletics as a career at CrossFit for, I mean, for people who, who aren't, you know, into CrossFit, I know for me, start when I started working at RX bar in 2017, it's been interesting for me over the last few years to just see, I feel like it's one of the few athletic spaces that there's so many like cult brands that follow along with the CrossFit community, like more so oh, yeah. than any other, like any other sport that I know of. It seems. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's one of those things where, um, I always find it funny and I, I did a lot of thinking on this and like, I may be way off base, but you know, it's like when someone's like having a pair of Metcons for, for the first couple of years, like you only had a pair of Metcons if you did CrossFit, you know, yeah. like 
um, or like a rogue t-shirt. People yes. only wore rogue t-shirts um, if you did CrossFit. And, uh, and so like I see it all the time in the airport of people wearing their Metcons, wearing the rogue t-shirts. Yes. And it's almost like they want to give the silent nod to the other person. It's like the Jeep wave. It, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's like you're part of this club. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's like almost your way of announcing it without ever announcing it. hundred um, percent. And so it's like when you're walking, like I can walk through an airport and it's like, yep. One, two, three, there they are right in the That's terminal. So funny. That's true. Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> No, it is. It's funny. And I mean, that has to be, it's gotta be good for someone like you though, too. I mean, as far as like CrossFit being, I mean, at least like the career side of it being more than just the events you're partaking in and trying to win. I mean, that opens the door, I would think for a lot of like sponsorship revenue for you. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, it, it's been wild in like the last probably 18 months of, you know, non CrossFit based brands coming into the space. Oh, really? um, Like before, I'd say like probably two, three years ago, it was like nobody had a sponsorship that wasn't a CrossFit company. And now you're starting to see like, um, you know, like stuff like Gillette, Chipotle, Ram, like they're having, they're setting up booths at competitions. And it's like, you're like, that's weird. Yeah. What's your involvement? They're like, I mean, it's like kind of like, well, the NFL has a car sponsor. You know, yeah. and it's like, sure, has nothing to do with the sport. It's just like, it's a great space to be in. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's been wild seeing that change in the last couple of years. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think it's, it's, it's so interesting too, because it's one of the few things that I've at least come across where like, I have a garage gym that we set up at our house. And so mm-hmm. like, I can do the same workouts technically as, as yeah. like, I could do the same wad as you and then watch you compete. Like everyone has the chance, I guess, to make it to the stage where like, that's not the case with the NFL or the NBA. Like I can play basketball all day, but I'm way past the chance of well, I mean, the that, Lakers picking me up. That, that's one, one thing that's like, so makes CrossFit so different is that right now, most of the fans or spectators are mm. participants. Yeah. Um, you know, right. like you, you go to an NFL game, it's like how many guys there watching are putting on the pads when they go home. Yeah. Like, right. Zero. Zero. Um, but it's like you go to the CrossFit games and it's like, yeah, probably 99% have a CrossFit membership or doing these workouts at home type thing. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's pretty wild. And occasionally it, it, I think it was three years ago was the first time I ever had someone come up to me on the street. They're like, Oh, Hey, you're, you're Matt Fraser, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Hey, nice to meet you. And, you know, small talk with, with a fan that you're meeting, you know, the first question you ask is, Oh, where, where do you live? What gym do you go to? Yeah. Right. And you know, it, it's a small enough network, you know, it's the likelihood that I either know someone there or I've been there, something like that. It's pretty high. Okay. Yeah. Um, but you know, you just kind of, you just kind of shooting the shit with someone. And, uh, and it was three years ago in Nashville and the guy was like, oh, I, I don't do CrossFit. I oh, like, whoa. Well, so I was like, then how, how do you know who I am? And he was like, I watched a movie on Netflix. He, he oh, watched, he had watched the fittest film. Yeah. And I was like, Oh wow. And then like, it kind of slowly started building. And it was like, Holy shit, this thing is growing. Like a lot of people that have nothing to do with CrossFit are starting to know some of the names and the players in the sport. It's yeah. I mean, it's been crazy seeing where it came from 
like just when I got into the space, got into the space, you know? Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, between the growth of the people participating, I even think small things like, um, buttery bros and Craig Ritchie and those guys that are like getting these huge YouTube followings are just like sucking yep. all these people into the CrossFit community to be like, like, what is this? And they have cool yeah. videos and they're fun to watch and it gets people like understanding what CrossFit is. I think also the fact that in COVID you can do a lot of this stuff at home. If you have the right setup, it was, I mean, I mean, I mean, if you're you know? one of the, if you're one of the lucky few that had home equipment before the pandemic hit, like I remember seeing like concept two rowers on Craigslist for like 2,500 bucks yeah. and they, and they were selling. Yeah. And I mean, I can't tell you how many times just people I knew hit me up. They're like, dude, <laughs> do you know someone at rogue? And I'm like, uh, yeah. Like what, do, what are you getting at? Yeah. And they're like, they're like, their website is out of everything. I need a kettlebell or a dumbbell. Like, I'm like, dude, I'm so, like, they're backed up, you know, like it's just, yeah everyone as soon as a home lockdown hit first thing everyone got was like a home gym oh for so sure. it's like of 2020 the biggest flex you can have is a home gym i know it really was i felt like I, literally for the last year and a half i got made fun of so much at work for like oh i'm working out in my garage and then really overnight kind of not really i mean like at rx people probably are more so on the front edge of like what crossfit is and mm-hmm. definitely like the garage training than companies i've worked at before but um a lot of, like I live out in the suburbs. A lot of the people I work with live in the city. So they go to yeah. you know, high end Globo gyms. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, that's very common. And so, but it was just so funny. Cause then as soon as COVID hit, I mean, I had just people offering me hundreds of dollars to come work out in my garage. Just like, really people were like, please, I'll pay you anything. Like I just need to come work out. <laughs> so funny how that changes, but it's so yeah. interesting. I mean, that's really cool. I think for me, it's been interesting to learn from you today and the last time. And I'd be curious what your thoughts are here because I think people listening, especially if they want to get into CrossFit or just people that are young that want to try to make a career in sports, like for you, do you feel like now that you've won the CrossFit Games four times and then the, the, your chance of winning five is coming up here shortly, mm-hmm. um, do, do you feel like to make it into a long-lasting career, I don't know about you, but we talked about it a little bit briefly at the beginning um, between events and trying to win those and the purse you can get from that. There's sponsorships, obviously, if you're, if you're a high performing athlete, I think those kind of open up. Mm-hmm. And then are there any other things that you and some of the top performers are trying to do? I mean, like I, I would, I would think there could be, I, I saw Rich Froning obviously has um, like Froning farms now and there he's trying to like grow mm-hmm. other things out of what was just CrossFit. I think that's an yeah. interesting thing that, it seems like a lot of you guys are smart and, and are, I'm sure are thinking of other things to kind of spread out beyond just truly competing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, you know, I'm, I'm in the generation where you, I, I think there's multiple or a couple of us that are making a living off it um, mm-hmm. just off competing. Yeah. Um, and you know, the sponsorships that come with it. The generation right before me, they, you know, they were all gym owners or coaches, um, you know, so it's like, yeah, they, maybe they could have made a living off it. Um, but now, now that they're done competing, you know, they're trying to sell programming or just branch into something else because they're not competing anymore. And they're trying to use their name to keep, keep some income right. rolling sure. in, yeah. um, you know, and, and before my generation, I, I don't know if there are any guys that were making that were doing it as a full time one income gig. 
Okay. Um, I think the only one was probably Rich that could have made a living off sponsorships um, and and prize money, but you know he still had his gym and uh, programming and all that stuff. Um, whereas now, I'd say there's probably anywhere between six and ten guys that are making a good income okay. off off just competing in sponsorships. So it's grown, but it's still rel- I mean, it's relatively small, really. Yeah, I mean. I mean, just in the last three years, we went from only one guy making an income off it um, to now, I'm trying to run through a list of names. I'd say on the female side, there's more that are making it, that are doing it as their full-time job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But, but I mean, so, I mean, you have guys that have never won the CrossFit games that are raking in some some good cash, you know, they're making more than a doctor. Yeah. That's um, actually pretty impressive. I hadn't thought about yeah. that. They're, I mean, I don't know who those people are necessarily, but I have an idea. <laughs> um, oh yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Good point. They've never won and they're still doing very well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'd say on the, on the women's side, there's probably, you know, 10 to 15 okay. uh, of the females that are doing it. And, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's really great. And then to see the athletes kind of branching out and trying to make, another small business where most small business owners are starting and they, their friends and family know their name. So they, they're the ones hearing the message of what they're trying to sell or promote or whatever it is. Right. Whereas like most CrossFitters, you know, you got a million followers right off the bat. So if you're selling t-shirts or food or whatever it is, it's like, well, you're already speaking to a million people, even if it's falling on mostly deaf ears, even if you get one, 1% of the people, you're preaching to to click on your link well you, you've already hit the ground running you're right. you're already like a step ahead of everyone else so yeah i mean it's a great opportunity um you know and sponsors are starting to see that and they're you know even even if it's not the athlete that's kind of coming up with the business or doing the business mm-hmm. sponsors are coming in or you know just different companies are coming in they're like hey you're gonna say this is your company and oh. like you do nothing and yeah, you collect 50%. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's, that's awesome for you guys. Cause that, that means that, you know, the space is continuing to grow and it's going in the right direction. And yeah. it's good that through all the, all of like COVID and all the stuff with Greg, that it's just continuing to go. And I think with the sale, I feel like I'd be curious to get your thoughts on that. But I, I think to me, it seems like there's a, there's a lot of excitement around what the CrossFit community and games will look like this year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I would have, I would have bet dimes to dollars that, you know, all these athletes are like, you know, we're demanding the sale of CrossFit. I'm like, he's not going to sell this thing. And even if he's willing to, it's like, this is a multi, multi-million dollar deal. I was like, to sign just a regular run-of-the-mill contract takes two or three months of negotiations and back and forth and reviewing. Right. I'm like, you're, you're looking at a couple hundred million dollars for a company. I was like, this is going to take years. Yeah, and then, right. And then to see it actually happen, it's like, oh my god! I mean, it made it made so much sense when I was looking back through all the details. It's like you needed someone who was a diehard CrossFitter, probably someone who opened their own box, yep. but also was very wealthy. Like, I mean, it couldn't have been a more perfect combo, Eric. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, i've I've spent I've spent a bit of time with him. Uh, have you? I've talked to him a little bit. Um, yeah, I'm I'm very excited to see what he does moving forward. Not, not just for 
the competitive side, you know, that that's, I'm, I'm obviously biased in the part that I care about the most. I don't own a gym. I don't coach anything like that. It's like, I just compete. So that's the part that I care about the most. Sure. But even just some of the ideas he was kind of just brushing by me mm-hmm. on the affiliate side. I was, and I told him, I was like, dude, if, if you, if you act on even a fraction of what you're telling me, I was like, you're going to crush it. Oh, that's like, great. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so he's so got I'm, good ideas and he's good ideas. Very passionate um, about it, I can tell. I mean, good ideas, but not only that, but a, he has the experience he's done it before. And then he has the team around him. He has the resources around him to actually put this plan into action and make it happen. Which so, that's half the battle, right? Exactly. Yeah. I personally feel like it's great to see no, no offense to Greg. I don't, I obviously don't know him or anything, but seeing someone who you can tell who's very into CrossFit leading CrossFit. I think that's, that was a huge win for the CrossFit community just in general. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, what are your, I just, we have to ask you, what are your thoughts on the new format and how that's all going to play? Um, are you pumped for it? Not pumped for it as much? I am. I'm relieved that they gave us something, you know, I've, I've said, yeah. and you know, um, the one thing I was talking to Eric about when he was here was I said, like, I hate, having like a million options and having to pick like the perfect combination of traits to put together to make my ideal situation. Yeah. I, I was telling, I was, well I was then like, how do you train too? If it's constantly changing and moving, it's gotta be impossible. Well, I mean, we've been in, we've done the same phase of training for the last three months. Cause the games yeah. keep getting, they keep postponing it three weeks, three weeks, three weeks. And it's like, guys, I can only do this phase of training so many times. I was going to say, I mean, burnt out. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I was very relieved when they just said like, all right, 30 and 30 online, top five out to California. I was just like, okay, I don't like, um, I mean, we, we still don't know very much on like scoring system, how many events it is, you know, when we have to do them, like we don't know any of the details, Okay. but I was just like, don't care. I was like, no. all I can do is get as <laughs> fit as possible in four weeks do the online and then i mean like anytime i've had this conversation you know people just assume like oh okay yeah when when you go up to california and it's five and five you how do you like that i'm like i don't know i'm gonna make it yeah like yeah there's no guarantee that's a small number too you know so i'm like last year like brent fikowski got cut after the top 20 like who saw that coming Sure. Pat Vellner uh-huh. didn't make the top 10. Like who saw that coming? You know, right. It may be me this year. I hope not. I'm doing everything I can to make sure that's not the situation, but it's a very real possibility. Yeah. And, you know, and that's what it is every year. Like every year at regionals, I never book my travel out to California or to Wisconsin until like Sunday night after regionals. When I, when I like oh. punched my ticket. Yeah. You, know, you, you always heard those awkward stories of like, these people that, you know, they, they finish the open and they book their travels and everything to, to the games oh, and they're, and they're just like, Oh yeah. Oh my, I was top rank out of the open going into regionals. How could I not get top five? And then it's like, and then they come like 14th and it's like, Oof. right. Right. Ooh, that's rough. Yeah. You, know? you got You can either go and watch or try to cancel your ticket. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's wild. Are you, um, 
Well, that's exciting. I mean, that's coming up really soon. Are you, are you pumped? I'm sure you're pumped. I mean, this is a big year for you. Uh, the big opportunity. I'm, and Are you trying to not I, even think about it and just treat it like a different year? No, I mean, I, I treat every year the same of, you know, it just, it is what it is, you know, that's great. Um, yeah. It's, you know, every year I'm, I'm going into the games and I like, you know, my emotions and, you know, I, I start cracking a little bit um, like a couple weeks out, you know, that's when the insecurities are all coming alive. You know, like you have one bad workout three weeks before the games, Ooh, like you want to see an unstable person, like <laughs> there it is. Yeah. Um, because you know, it's not like, okay, good. I, I found a weakness. I have time to fix it. It's like, Oh my God. I found a weakness and I don't have any time. And let's hope it's not uh, in the programming. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, getting closer to, you know, I, I'm only around people that, you know, I'm going to be around for life. Um, so, you know, Sammy's, she's, she's learned, you know, like before the games to be telling me like, no matter the outcome, I'm here, you know, no matter the outcome, nothing changes. If you win great. If you don't, doesn't matter you know it's oh, that's cool. like life goes on um so you know it's like almost like this blanket of serenity yeah the week prior of just like okay i've done what i can i feel good about everything i've done but if something just happens to come up that i can't do then there's nothing i can do about it you know so feeling bad about that isn't going to change anything right yeah no that totally makes sense that totally makes sense so i mean go, going in this year yeah. Would I love to win? Yeah, of course. Am I trying like every waking moment to make that happen? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but you know, it's not, it's not my identity. Nothing. Yeah, right. No one new is coming into my life if I win and no one is leaving my life if I don't win. So uh, yeah. That's powerful. I mean, that's a powerful perspective. I got to give you that. That's awesome. Are you, I think I know we've been talking for a while, so I want to be conscious of your time, but are we, are you, um, what is, you know, you maybe you don't know this. It may totally depends on like what happens this year or next year, but like what is uh, right now in Matt Frazier's mind, what is the rest of your CrossFit career? What, where, how do you see it playing out? Maybe you don't know, but then and what's your idea of after CrossFit or is there, is there um, after CrossFit? Uh, I mean like after, after CrossFit, after I'm done competing, Good question. Um, I guess both. Yeah. Like what's, what, how long, like, would you compete for as long as you possibly can? Is that kind of where you're at now? Like, do you love um, it enough? And, and I, I've, I've always that? said, I've always said, you know, as long as I'm happy and healthy, I'll keep okay. competing. Um, yeah. You know, like I, with, with my weightlifting career, you know, I was miserable for the last year of it. Um, I just, and I, I lost the love for it so much that, you know, when I left it, I wanted nothing to do with it. You know, uh, I lost contact with some, some great friends um, just cause I hated the sport so much. I had so much resentment towards it that uh, even just my friends being involved in it, I was like, Oh, well we can't, we can't be friends, you know? Um, so I just want to make sure that doesn't happen. Cause you know, I've, I have some friends that will be in my life forever um, yeah. from, from being in CrossFit. So I want to make sure that, I always, and I'm always enjoying what I'm doing. I've, I've found the value of like, you know, when, once you find something you love, you never work a day in your life. Right. And you know, I was the typical 18 year old, like, ah, bullshit. Everyone, everyone <laughs> hates their aerospace job. job and wear exactly. Yeah. Uh, I was like, bullshit. That that's just so corny. And then, you know, 
I turned this into a career. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm getting paid to exercise. So cool. Like, this is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so in terms of competing, as long as I'm happy and healthy, uh, I'll keep going. I mean, it's better than hanging drywall or sitting in a cubicle for me. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, at this point, I, I, I find it hard to think that I'll have a life where I'm not involved in some form of CrossFit. You know, I've been in it for so long. Um, I've made a good enough name for myself that I think I have a leg to stand on in terms of whatever I want my involvement to be. Um, you know, like my, my friend O'Keefe, he, he runs like five of the biggest competitions in the world. So if I want to get involved in the competition side or, you know, I've, um, I've had some interest in, you know, doing programming or coaching. Definitely. Um, I think the programming side would be online. You know, I've, you can go through any of my social media, any interview. Like I don't talk about training at all. I play yeah, my really cards. You really don't, do you? I, I play my cards today. very close to my chest. Is that um, strategic? Just yeah. As far, yeah. hundred percent yeah. intentional. Um, yeah, makes sense. I don't want to give anyone competitors or whoever it is any idea of what I'm doing or why I'm doing it. Um, That's smart. But, but the day I'm done competing, oh, I'll tell everyone, you yeah. know, I mean, um, honestly, that could turn around and be a huge benefit to you. You've been holding it so tight that you might be able to sell it and people are just going to flock to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I feel like I've collected a good wealth of knowledge of training over the last couple of years of stuff that works, stuff that doesn't work. Um, know whether it's actual physical programming or mindset or competing the yeah but all the things that go into competing other than the physical performance of it so you know kind of sharing that um i think in-person coaching i don't know you know the the fairy tale right now is that build a big studio home gym and just kind of train people for the fun of it or you know just give access to people that don't have access to a expensive gym. Oh, that's um, cool. Yeah. I have to figure out like, you know, the whole liability side of that of, sure. you know, you don't want someone coming in and suing you. Yeah. Um, right, right, right. But yeah, I, I think that would be a lot of fun. I think it'd be a great way to meet people. Um, definitely. And, you know, just be helpful, be right. helpful to the people that you live around. Yeah, definitely. Would you ever be interested in owning your own affiliate? No, I don't think so. No. Um, I've kind of, I've seen enough people that have done that. Um, I think if I were in a different spot financially, I think it would be the natural progression of to yeah. own a gym, open it up and kind of run, make it into a business. But how I am right now, you know, the house we just bought has a big uh, like detached barn garage. Oh, cool. um, you know, I, I have, I've accumulated equipment over the years that I can open up an affiliate, like yeah. a small affiliate. I'm sure you could. Yeah. Um, so because it, I don't financially need it, you know, I just want to keep it fun Definitely. so that a, there's no expectations of just like, Oh, it you know, a, you, you weren't job, open right? Sunday I mean, morning yeah. and it's like, well, no, it's my house. Yeah. You know? Like yeah. if, if it, yeah. Um, yeah. So I think right now I, I don't think I'd open an affiliate. Um, but, you know, I just want to have a space that I can just kind of have people come hang out, try to help out people that couldn't afford it otherwise. Yeah. No, I love that. That's awesome. That's super cool. Um, uh, what was the other thing I wanted to ask you? I have a couple last questions. Oh, just curious, just in general, um, 
how COVID is COVID impacted training at all? Like, I don't know if that's affected you guys going to, to, uh, mayhem or not at um, all, or is it been, yeah, so may, mayhem shut down, mayhem shut down for a little while. Uh, T and I were told we weren't allowed to go in. Like, like we asked, we're like, Hey, like we have a key, like the, the gym shut down, but like we can we're still go in. That, right? right. Um, cause you know, like on Sundays, the gym is closed. I think they might have a morning class, but like the gym is closed the rest of the day. And it's like, well, no, we have a key. Like we need to train. Oh, okay. um, so yeah, during the whole COVID shutdown, we, we were like, Hey, we're, we're still good to train. Right. And they're like, no, you are not allowed in. We're like, wait, are you fucking serious? Like, yeah. <laughs> we, we, we have to train dude. Um, yeah. So that, you know, luckily it was early enough in the season that we just packed up a truck of equipment and went, went to a buddy's place. Um, oh, okay. There you go. Just kind of got out of town. Um, yeah. And then, I mean, other than that, hasn't really changed too much. You know, competitions getting canceled. Um, I mean, in terms of like overall life, like I don't leave the house. I, I go from here to the gym back. Like okay. I don't go anywhere. <laughs> I don't see anyone. I'm very introverted. Um, so, you know, like I can literally go weeks without leaving my house and not notice it. Whereas Sammy, if she's inside until like three, she'll literally go, go out on the porch and just sit in the sun. Just like she doesn't have to go anywhere, but she's like, no, I need sunlight. And I'm like, okay, oh, that's weird. <laughs> You're like, I can sit inside uh, all day. I'm fine. Exactly. Um, yeah. You know, I, I have a great home gym set up. Um, so I wasn't really affected too much. You know, there was a couple sponsors that, uh, you know, started struggling and, you know, either pulled their contract last minute before we signed it. Or, you know, they, they there were quite a few people in the space that, you know, had, sponsors terminate their contracts like they use the act of god clause oh wow. to terminate contracts and it was like are you are you serious like we're like four days into a pandemic yeah and and yeah i mean it happened i know multiple athletes that and oh wow yeah, well, yeah so i mean it was a little wow, that's crazy it's kind of a side effect that no one saw coming of you know yeah. if this sponsor only sells in retail stores they have no online platform at all and then this pandemic hits, well, no one's going to the mall to go buy that product. No. And so they're just like, boom, cut all their athletes. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. I was curious of that. Cause like, I mean, at RX, like obviously like a big, a big Avenue for us for a long time was CrossFit and uh, mm. we've grown into a lot of places now, but I mean, that's part of our business that like, yeah, I mean, there's, there's people aren't going to the gyms anymore. Even to, even now, I mean, the gym business is just so much smaller than it was before. So luckily yeah. we've had a, you know, big online business, but yeah, businesses that weren't online definitely mm -hmm. took a hit, no doubt. Um, so last few questions I have for you were um, just, these are more like ending questions I like to ask athletes and founders, everyone I, that I have on the podcast. Mm -hmm. um, for you, I had, a, I had one different one, which was uh, if you had to pick one, what's your favorite workout? Favorite workout. So <laughs> Maybe, maybe I you can't share it, but <laughs> so I, I know like a handful of the girl workouts or hero workouts. I don't okay. know. Uh, like they, there have been workouts where like uh, there's the announcement at the games where Dave is like, oh, all sick. right, workout four is Amanda. And everyone's like, <gasps> and I'm just still sitting there playing. Fairs, like, what's Amanda? <laughs> what, what does that mean? I don't know what that, you know, um, uh, oh, that's yeah, so I don't really know any of those, you know, I, I have grown to love, uh, 
the concept to rower and biker. Okay. Um, you know, the rower specifically, um, I, because I was so terrible at it and I hated it so much. Like it was my weakest thing. Like when I started CrossFit, you know, I was, I was still smoking. I had no cardio. Oh really? Anything cardio based. It just like, I hated it. Okay. Um, and the rower was the worst of the worst for me. So, you know, uh, looking at it as a side hustle, I was like, if I want to make that money on the weekend, I need to get better at this thing. And, uh, I did, I think I did a full year or close to it of, um, between four and 5,000 meters a day. Oh, wow. Where I was okay. like, I'm terrible at this for time. I'm, You're just going uh, straight for time. Uh, I would break it up differently. Some okay. days I would do like 5,000 meters straight. And then I remember one day I had the bright idea of doing it all in hundred meter sprints. Oh, that's so like, fun. <laughs> uh, every, every minute on the minute for 40 minutes, hundred meters as hard as you. So, you know, you get in 10 poles, it's like 18 seconds or 20 seconds worth of effort, right. but all out sprint. Um, but yeah, breaking that's it up between five hundreds, thousands, whatever it was. Um, and, and that, that's when I realized like, all right, you rarely hate something you're good at. Um, so I'm going to hammer this thing until, until I get so good at it that I enjoy it. Oh, love and, that. And so it was like, you know, I, I always did like extra work in the back room. Um, but then I would always jump in on the class workout of the day. And, and I was like, I'm going to do this until I'm excited to see rowing come up in a Metcon. Ah, and then okay. that's when I started realizing, Oh, okay. I'm happy to see a thousand meter row come up at the start of a workout, that probably means I've gotten better at rowing. Um, right. And so yeah. I started applying that to other things, but you know, I've put in millions of meters on the rower. That's um, wild. And, and then also on top of that, you know, I had insult to injury of just not being good at cardio. I'm also relatively short, short and wide. So it's like, you know, that's just add an insult to injury on the rower. Um, <laughs> So I, cool, I, though. I mean, you made I've like the had a, worst thing into a, into a, into a strength now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, strength, like it's relative. Um, I mean, you, know, you I did can, well, you did well in the marathon row. Yeah. Yeah. That like, probably paid off just right there in one I mean, event. Yeah. Like that for a marathon row, I think I, I think I was top 10 in that. Yeah, I think you were or close to whatever it was, but yeah, I mean, you think fact, seventh or eighth. Yeah. I mean, the fact that I didn't come in the bottom, in the bottom 10, sure. um, was, I looked at that like, <laughs> dude, I'm like the shortest guy out here and, and I held my own, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah. No, that's awesome. Okay, cool. Rowing. Love it. Good answer. Um, this one I thought would be a cool one to ask you. So you kind of fell into CrossFit. Do you, and now obviously you're very well known in CrossFit and you compete in CrossFit. Do you think you will always do CrossFit or like, do you love it enough now that you think that'll always be the way you train? Um, long-term, yes, some, some form of it. I think probably once I'm done competing, I'll probably take a step away, uh, for a little bit. You know, I, I do that every year. Um, you know, after the games, like, I don't even think about doing a workout for like a month or two. Um, you know, oh, okay. I, I eat like garbage. I sleep like garbage intentionally of like, I, Probably I want to that. put my, I, it, you know, the first couple weeks is so enjoyable. Oh, I bet. Staying up, <laughs> staying up until four in the morning, binge watching Netflix and, 
just eating danishes. Oh, what's not to love? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but then, you know, after a couple of weeks, you know, when, you know, your body composition starts going to going in the dumps and, you know, you start feeling like you look and you're just tired all the time. And uh, I intentionally, I'm like, no, you need to do this. Like, I want to get myself to a spot where I want to go back into the gym. Yeah. Whereas okay. like, like if you just train full till all year, your diet is dialed into the T all year, you're going to get burnt out. You need to give yourself a break and enjoy, enjoy yourself. Um, and so I, I do that every year of like stepping away. And then even my first couple of days back, I remember one year I was struggling so much to go back to the gym to start, or I was struggling so much to start training again that I told myself, all right, first day, go to the gym. I don't have to work. I don't have to work out. Go into the gym and talk to your friends. So I like went into the back room and I'm like, I'm still wearing like jeans and a hoodie (laughs) and like, I'm just hanging out. My buddies are like, Oh, you're going to change. I'm like, no, I'm not working out. I was just getting in the routine of coming here. And then like the next, the next couple of days, it was like, ah, just do a couple sets of bench press. Like you don't need to breathe hard. Do a couple sets of bench press, a few pull-ups and then dip out. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, just getting myself back in the routine. Um, so I'm sure once, once I'm done competing, I'll probably take a little while, um, you know, just basically allowing myself to not sit on an assault bike or a rower and like, yeah. like feel like your lungs are bleeding. It's yeah, like, right. you know, just start working out for pleasure of just like, yeah, it's okay to do strict press and curls and tricep extensions. I was going to say, it's yeah, like, like maybe some like, more bodybuilding type stuff or something yeah, different. You know, it, I, I talked about it not too long ago of like, I think it would be fun to try to look fit for yeah. a while. Except um, you, I don't know if that was funny. I heard you say that. And I'm like, if you, you, you look fit now, I mean, you, your top end. Cross I, I mean, like, like you mean I'm, like try to be like a bodybuilder type of look. I mean, like if I'm in a crowd, I think, yes, I, I look fit compared to like the average person, but it's like when, when you line up next to like, are, are you familiar with like uh, Adrian Moonweiler? Yeah. Yes. I mean, Adrian Moonweiler or Noah Olson, like you stand next to those dudes and I'm like, oh my God, like what are you guys eating? Yeah. Just you guys shredded. Are just shredded. Yeah. And then like I have like a little spare tire. Um, you know, like I'm not counting macros, I'm not worried about my body fat composition, anything. Um, so I think it'd be cool like to see how fit I could look. You know, I've trained oh, yeah. no, sense. I've trained to be be strong, like with Olymp- Olympic weightlifting, I trained to be strong but not look strong. Sure. Uh, with CrossFit, you know, I train to be fit. I don't care how I look as long as I am. Um, so I, I think it would be like a fun experiment, you know, take like a year and just like, you know, egg whites, turkey and water, you know, yeah, just, yeah. just see what you can do. Let's see. Let's see what with I no can make. No pressure, this. right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. That's awesome, man. No, I love that. That's cool. Um, last couple questions. Um, Favorite book? Do you have a favorite book you'd tell people to read? Um, I, I have a couple. Um, so reading for pleasure is a whole new thing for me. Um, just in the last couple of years. Uh, I think the first book that I read that I like, I finally understood what people meant when they're like, I can't put this thing down. Yeah. was um, Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. Oh, okay. I've not read it, but uh, I've heard of that. Yeah like just loved it. Um, and then I know another one that was a suggestion to me was, um, 
the little the little book on common sense investing okay um i think for anyone who has any interest um in saving or starting investing anything you have to read that book it's just a a very very simple break stuff down into very layman terms um but the big thing is it shows the power of investing now instead of tomorrow um you know compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world um so i mean it breaks it down like you don't need to have a math background you don't need to know anything about investing when you read that it's like holy shit i should have started this yesterday oh that's great i mean that's like the whole that's like what this podcast is that's what it started with was mostly Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff so i'll definitely have to read that i haven't read that one yet yeah i mean if you know anything about investing it's all it's very entry level i mean it was the book that when when i wanted to learn something so that when I'm talking to my investor, I know what the hell he's talking about. Um, My friend suggested that book and he was like, all right, you know, step number one, read this. Um, So yeah, very, very powerful from that. I I made some changes in my investments after that. Okay. Yeah. Um, And then the one I'm reading right now is, oh God, I forget the title of it but it has to do with options of just like exactly what I was talking about before. If like, I have a very hard time if I have a thousand options in front of me picking the best one. Whereas like, if there's two, I'm like, yeah, e- even if it's a less ideal situation, uh, um, it's much easier for me to make a decision when there's less options. So this is just more of a, like a prioritization yeah. manual book type thing. Yeah. And I mean like before That's something I need, I'm the same way. Like I, I, I've, I've talked to Sammy about this all the time. Like, um, before when I was broke and I'm living in my parents' basement, it was like this dingy 400 square foot apartment. Like when there was no other option, I I've never been happier than when I lived in that terrible shitty apartment. Um, but that now that I have the income and the resources to buy whatever house I want. And now I'm thinking like, well, is four bedrooms enough? Yeah. Like maybe I need five. And it's like, it's like, dude, two years ago, you were living in a one bedroom and like yeah. it barely fit a bed. Like, and you couldn't have been happier. Like you made sure. it work. Why, why do you feel like you need more just because you can have more? Um, so, I mean, that book is basically just that, you know? Okay. Yeah. That's great. Do you remember the name of it? It's all right. If you don't, I was just curious. Yeah. But it, it was a book. I was kind of explaining that scenario to Eric, the guy who just bought CrossFit. Yeah. And, and he said like, Oh, you need this book. Oh, okay. And it was just like, I'm sitting at the dinner table. I just like Amazon primed it had it the next day. Um, right. Yeah. I'm terrible with names. No, so. that's fine. No, I mean, I can find it. That's awesome though. Um, no, I appreciate it, Matt. So this is, this has been great. I think really my last question was going to be, um, since this was really based around, you know, trying to turn CrossFit into, into a career, um, for any, for the listeners and trying to understand the background of that, what would be your one piece of advice if you were someone who wants to try to compete in CrossFit and make it a career for themselves? Oh boy. Um, I mean, a couple of things, uh, first, you know, make sure you love it. Make sure that even if there wasn't, even if you're not getting paid for it, you still want to do it. You know, um, like that, that was the thing I talked about, like even before I was getting paid to do it, I was still, it was like my top priority. As soon as I got everything that I had to get done, that's what I wanted to do. Um, 
I mean, it's the same in any business. Like if you're going to make it your life, make sure you enjoy it. Make sure like it's your passion. Um, after that technique, I mean, it's, I couldn't tell you how many guys that I see all the time that I look at them. I'm like, you are way more physically capable than me, but you just don't have the efficiency. You don't have the movement. You don't have the technique for it. And, and so for every rep you do, like you're, I'm spending one point of energy, but you're spending 1.5. Got it. Okay. Do you think you got a lot of that from the Olympic weightlifting? uh, All of it. Yeah. 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 Um, But then also, I mean, even the stuff that didn't have to do with weightlifting, like rowing, um, you know, I, I saw that I wasn't good at it. So I went to someone that was, and, and I mean, so many things I've done in the space with my movements is it was just always taking one step backwards, take two steps forward. And, you know, learning the new technique on the rower, it feels so unnatural and you feel so weak in the positions right off the bat that, yeah, I could get the instant gratification of going back to my old technique and, and shaving a couple seconds off my paces. Or I know like in a year, this technique will be better. And I just don't see many people doing that. I don't see many people willing to give up that instant gratification to have long-term success. Got it. Okay. Um, yeah. People chasing faster times, heavier weight. Exactly. Not technique. Um, I mean, and yeah, I mean, and get a coach that, um, get a coach that isn't fibbing the resume. Okay. Um, I mean, if, if, if the coach has to tell you how good they are, probably not. Probably not good. Um, you know, uh, find someone like that their accolades are real. Um, yeah. I mean, it's kind of hard to describe how to go into it, but I mean, like usually coaches that have good athletes are good coaches. Okay. Um, That's fair. I mean, you just see so many that, you know, they're, they're doing nothing but just toot their own horn and it's like, Oh, who's your athlete? And it's like, Oh, I don't have any. And it's like, Hmm. Is that not, is that not a red flag? Um, Yeah. So I think, but I mean, I mean, the technique is just so big on, you know, a movement efficiency, but then injury prevention. Um, you know, if you want to have a lasting career in the sport, you need to move efficiently and safely. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think, yeah, make sure you're passionate about it. I mean, if you're going into it, chasing the money, like, uh, probably not a good motivator. Yeah. Um, you need to make sure you're passionate about it. And then be willing to spend a lot of time being humbled. Okay. Oh, that's a good one. Stepping back and learning. You know, I, I was like, I've, I've had situations where I'm like three, four years into competing at the games and like being a podium athlete multiple times and then hitting someone up and being like, hey, I have no fucking idea how to do this. And you're one of the best in the world at it. Can you teach me? Oh, that's um, cool. And even, even, and not even going to one of the best in the world of like, Hey, you're a middle school track coach. Can you teach me how to sprint? And oh, there you go. Like I, I did like, I think it was probably like two months of, he was coaching another middle school girl. And I mean, she's like sixth grade and it's just her and I <laughs> like behind his gym, just like Polakowski, this that like is funny. middle schooler and myself. Yeah 
doing track practice together and then showing up to the middle school track practice where there's a hundred kids between sixth and eighth grade. And I'm like, yeah, sure. I'm, I'm one of the top CrossFitters in the world, but I don't know how to sprint. So I think it's probably one of the cooler things about CrossFit too. Is just that, you know, it's just a, it's just a combination of so many different sports that you can always improve something in the space. Always. Oh, it's That's infuriating. So cool it. I mean, it's yeah, amazing, sure. but it's infuriating. Um, because it's like, all right, good. I figured out how to do Olympic weightlifting. All right. You're any good at powerlifting? It's ah, damn it. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> Are you any good at strongman? Damn it. You know, yeah, there's just exactly. so many things. And it's like the amount of times that I meet someone and, you know, like they'll smoke me in one workout and then, you know, like they're strutting around and I'm like, buddy, Oh, you did one, one workout. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you, Matt. I appreciate you so much for uh, coming back on. I know this is kind of a pain in the ass to go around. Oh, no, to. absolutely. I, I love stuff like this. Yeah. This is a blast. We didn't even really get into, uh, I didn't uh, into the investing piece, but maybe mail of another episode someday right. we can, we can do. We yeah. Can isn't do that, that what your podcast is? I know. I, I, I know. I got my whole portfolio laid out here. <laughs> we can, we're, I'm more than happy to dive into any of it. If you have the time, it's uh, are you, I'll ask you one question. Are you, what is your like, you had to just tell elevator pitch on like where you sit now, like what's your investing look like? What do you, you know, what's your strategy? How much, how involved are you? Do you do it? Do you have someone else do it? That kind of stuff. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm very, very involved like daily basis, you know, just checking the tickers. Um, and you know, I try not to move stuff around. Um, you know, it's kind of, you know, like the Warren Buffett of like, sit there, do nothing. And, uh, but yeah, um, you know, I rarely do any like day trading. It's just like I try to find stuff that, you know, has good value. Um, you know, try not to ride the media waves of like, oh, this company's going huge and then poof, crash. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm, I'm at the point where and I have no interest in like trying to double my money in the year. You know, it's like, okay, you have no, right like- now, right now I'm like, okay, I got. I got enough to live, live my life for the rest of my life. Okay. Um, So it's like just trying to capture the market growth. Um, Right now I'm trying to stay out of anything with the dividend or interest or anything. Oh, are you just trying Um, to stay in high? Yeah. You know, like right now it's like my income's still high because I'm still active with sponsors and prize money and stuff like that. Right. So it's like, there's no need to add anything to the realized gain and pay more taxes. Okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, I try to stay away from anything that pays like a good, good chunk of a dividend. Um, but I mean, like I, I had my first like hands-on experience, like when was it March when the big crash yeah. was? Yep. Yeah. And middle of March. Always. I've always kept like a good pile of cash off to the side. Okay. And, um, you know, like whenever I have to talk to someone at Vanguard, they would say like, Hey, you should really invest this money. And I'm like, well, no, like, you know, the S and P is at like record breaking highs. Why would I invest it now? You know, and it's like, they say, don't time, don't try to time the market. Don't try. I'm like, time the market's more important than timing the market. Yep. I'm like, when, when it's at record breaking highs and I'm about to invest this much, I'm going to time the market a little bit. And then, uh, and I always say, you know, Oh, the S and P just takes a crash. Just let it come down to like 240, 250 for like a week. And let me sink all this money in. And then March rolled around and then every day just 
boom, 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 boom. Oh, so brutal. Every day going down. And the first, the first day I'm like, let me buy it. Let me buy a little bit. And then I'm like, I'm going to buy this thing the whole way down oh, every smart, day. Man. Yeah. Every day I'm going to put money in. And then around we around day six or seven, you know, the price is still going down. Yeah. And I'm like still buying, uh, that, that was the first time where I actually put my money where my mouth was of like buying into a down market. There you and, go. Oh, good for you. So you, and, you actually are very versed in this. This is, I mean, you know, like the, I mean, these are like the key things that I talk about. Um, but then like, you know, we're now three, three months, four months later, whatever it is. And it's like, I'm looking at that. I'm like, it's the easiest money I've ever earned. Right, but you know, crazy. I'm the whole way down. At the start of it, I'm like, oh, I'm putting all of it in. And then three days in, I'm like, oh, maybe I'll pull back a little bit. And then like two weeks in, it's like, okay, I think I've done enough. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, by timing the market, that's what I'm talking about. Like, I'm not going to put put all my money in at like the record breaking high. Right. Um, but yeah, most of my most of my investments are like just very non-sexy uh, mutual funds. Okay. Um, yeah. Playing more of the long-term game. Yeah. You know, like I have, I have a couple like individual stocks that I'm like giddy over right now. Um, oh, it's like, this is, this is important. Well, I mean like the one, the one that like, it's a very small piece of my portfolio, but it's like just performing so bananas that okay. I love it. Um, I have a, a couple hundred shares of Apple that I okay. got at like 150 bucks. Nice. There you go. And like Great. today, today it's at like 460. So every day I see that and I'm like, oh, I'm all giddy on it. Yeah. Um, but like probably like my, the least sexy thing you can own. Uh, and I think it's my biggest position is um, Berkshire Hathaway. Um, you know, you go. Warren Buffett. Gotta Just love the guy. Him. Now, yeah. would you hold on to it if uh, he retires or kicks the can? I think it's, that's a big conversation right now. Well, I mean, I mean, he's in his nineties, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, that, that's nineties. I think ninety three. Yeah, and um, uh, what's his what's his sidekick's name? Oh, um, Charles. Charles. Yeah, I was um, about to say it, and then I totally blanked when you said it. Or is it Charlie? Doesn't matter. I mean, like, he and his best buddy—they're both in their mid nineties. Yeah, um, right. Yeah, I think so, that's I mean, the big question for them. I mean that. <sighs> I mean, I, I've done some research on like who they have to like fill their shoes with if they retire or if, you know, if they pass away or anything and it's like, they have very competent people in, but you know, the market's emotional. If something yeah. happens and it's just like, that's the tide, all it takes is a couple big people to drive the price down and then everyone starts jumping ship. And then you're kind of sitting there like, Oh, what the hell? Like right. you know, the, the company's changed value. None. No, but because people's attitude towards it changed, then it's it's fucked. Yeah, it's totally uh, fucked. It's been crazy <laughs> through COVID too, because so many people. I mean, you said you use Vanguard, but yeah. I use uh, I've used a bunch of different things. Currently, most of the personal stuff I use is still in. A, I use Robinhood just because it's mm-hmm. free trading, and I, I love the app, and I've used them for a long time. It's been crazy to see the amount of people jump into Robinhood and starting to. I mean, I know mm-hmm. there's there's some controversy over whether people in Robinhood are actually swinging some of these, these stocks, but well, so, I mean, even just kind of the social I, media effect though, right? You think about, you well, know, I, mean, I, I think it's just the social media effect, but like something like Robinhood just changes the barrier of entry 
so yeah. much. Like three years ago, I was the only one of my buddies that did investing. Oh, and, really? Okay. Um, and then it's, it definitely was not like a sexy thing a couple of years ago. No, absolutely not. And then and now it's become like a thing everyone I know talks about. It's funny. It, now it's like you can just download the app and like there's no minimums or anything like no. that. It's just so accessible. That barrier of entry just got knocked down. So I think. I mean, even like, like I, six I what, years ago, it used to be not to cut you off my bad. It's like six years ago, you know, uh, you Scott trade. It was like eight, nine bucks a trade you mm-hmm. would pay. So like unless you were throwing real money around it, like sometimes it wasn't even worth it. You know, if I'm going to buy like a couple shares and you yeah. right away lose eight bucks, like, well, fuck, that's not even yeah, exactly. numbers. You're like, it's not worth it. to really trade very often. Yeah. I mean, and now it's like, all right, you know, you have eight bucks to buy eight bucks to sell. Yeah. And it's like, all right, well now you need a pretty big swing in your stock price to turn a profit. Yeah. Um, I know even with Vanguard, like Vanguard's known as like the cheapest platform of like the lowest commissions and all this stuff. Um, you know, it's very no frills, but even most of the stuff there, there's a $3,000 minimum, right? Well, a $3,000 barrier of entry. Like that's not just someone that has 3000. That's someone that can just like risk 3000, um, especially right? when they don't know what they're doing. Like Vanguard isn't a very user friendly platform. You yeah. Know? It's like our way, parents platform. It's like, very yeah, like so the way it was described to me, like I had, I had all my money at JP Morgan for a long time. And I had someone managing it. Um, and uh, what was the analogy that my friend made? He was like, JP Morgan is like the top of the line where like, they're going to take you out to dinner. You know, the app is user friendly. Uh, like they're going to wine you and dine you. And what was it like? Fidelity was like, ah, it's kind of like your target, you know, like, yeah, there's some <laughs> nice stuff, um, sure. but it's more base model, more affordable. And then he's like, Vanguard is like your broke down Walmart. He's like, they got everything you need and it's the cheapest out there. Oh, that's funny. I've never um, heard that before. And you know, that whole book, like uh, the little book on common sense investing, like the one reoccurring thing through the entire book was like, do not pay someone 1% to manage your money. Yes. 1% this year isn't very much, but when you compound it over 40 years, it like, it can have like an ending value of millions of dollars difference. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's why these, these, these companies are so big. Yeah. So like, it's not like they're, it's not a charity. They're making money off. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so that that was why I switched over everything into Vanguard because it was just, yeah, it's not user-friendly, but once you know how to use it, it's perfectly fine. fine. It's just, there's no frills. Um, yeah. Um, so you're kind of so you're doing some mutual funds. Are you are you managing much of it? Or are you having someone else manage it at Vanguard? Oh no, no, I do it. Are you all. doing everything? Oh, there yeah. you go. Like nice. I, I have a um, I have a friend. Uh, he actually runs a page called uh, the Investment Bodyguard. Love it. Um, but he just he re- just retired young, um, and then just realized like I think he was kind of bored, and he had this like wealth of knowledge when it came to investing and trading and all this stuff. Um, that, you know, I, I hit him up and I was like, ah, I don't want to be a nuisance, but like, can you kind of teach me something? Sure. Cause I have no idea what's going on. Yeah. And, um, and I mean, he just kind of hit the ground running. Like he showed me everything it helps me all the time. I think like the first month that I was talking to him, we, we spoke every day and it was almost like he would like give me homework assignments of resources of like, all right, read this book, read this article 
watch this oh, YouTube cool. video. Yeah. And I would, and I'd be watching it, reading and just taking notes of like any questions that popped up. And then I would ask him the questions. He would answer them. And, um, but yeah, he helped me set up my Vanguard account and even still like, or early on, he was like, you know, I think you should, you know, invest in this, 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 like to get a nice diversified portfolio and that type of thing. He's super knowledgeable on it, but more and more as time goes on, you know, I'm, I'm able to do more of it on my own. Um, yeah. And a lot of it was super basic of like, I'd be putting in a trade and I'd be like, Oh, like, do I want it at market or do I want to limit? And I have to call him like, Hey, Hey, which one is it again? And so, you know, I'm, I'm nice, comfortable yeah. with all that stuff now. Oh, good. Uh, I, I play a little bit with uh, selling put options. Okay. Any success you know yet? Or failure too? I guess both are important, really. Um, no, the few that I've done have turned out great. Um, okay. You know, I, you know, I, I only sold put options for stuff that I would be okay owning. Got you it. know, yep. like, so selling uh, put options on SPY. So like the SPY is like Vanguard's S&P 500. Um, it's like a replica of the S&P right. 500. Um, but yeah, just, you know, I'm not trying to like make it killing and, and, you know, I'm not putting my strike price like three bucks under what it's currently at. It was like, uh, yeah, I think I did SPY at like 225 bucks at like year and a half out. Um, oh, you know, okay. it's, it's just longer like, term ones too. Yeah. And so, you know, it was just like, yeah, you get to pocket a couple grand. Um, a lot of it was just getting familiar with, with, you know, just another option of something yeah, to do. Sure. Um, but I mean, it's kind of fun. I mean, it's fun and it's powerful when the market's like, it's, it's a way to make money when they're not doing oh well. Oh my God. So, I mean, I remember I sold those put options when the market was like way, way up. And uh, I think the SPY was at 340 and I sold these puts for like 225. And it's oh, like, wow. oh, this is never going to get executed but it was like, I get to pocket like a couple grand for yeah. this thing that like chaos has to hit for this, for this contract to get executed. Sure. And, and then, I mean, my strike price is two twenty five, and I think the market went down to like two thirty. Wow. And I was like, Oh my God, like I never thought this would happen. But then I remember going in and seeing the, the cost per contract of what I got paid when the market was at 340 versus what the market was paying uh, when the stock was at 230. Okay. For a 225 strike price. Yeah. Dude, it was like tenfold what, oh, what really? I had received. If you were willing, like when the market was at 230, if you were willing to sell a contract at 225, they were paying like, I forget what, like 12 bucks a share. Oh, wow. For, for the contract. It was crazy. But I mean, it was just a great learning experience. And then on my side, if it did get executed, it wasn't money that was already promised somewhere else. It, it was just money that was sitting. Sure. So it's, yeah. it's not the end of the world. Um, yeah. And it's, I always tell people I've noticed in my career of trading and investing, just getting your hands dirty, trying stuff out. Like you can read all you want. You can watch yeah. YouTube videos. It all help is helpful, but there's nothing like putting a contract in like that and then either it going well i've also felt like 
I've had a lot of things that have gone well, but I have like a handful of really bad losses that like I just will never forget. Oh, it's yeah, funny. They scar you. Yeah, they it's, it's like I'm you. sure it's similar like for you with the games or anything else. It's like you remember the ones you lose and you like make sure you don't repeat those. Yeah, I think, I think I've had one stock. Oh, it's Boeing. Boeing. Okay. Boeing oh, was the one that I buy it before they had the plane crash and all that. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm mean, lucky too. It's like, what the hell? What's the yeah. chance? You know? Um, so I, I've always looked at, you know, like I only buy, I don't do any penny stocks or small companies. Like just like IBM, Apple, yeah, Walmart. Like blue chip. Like, yeah. Like if I buying an individual stock, it's the big ones. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I always look at it as, you know, I like the stock market has never taken a dollar from anyone. Yeah. It's, you just, if you hang on to it long, if you can afford to hang on to it, it will come back. Um, so anytime I've had an investment that, you know, like you bought it and then it immediately dropped 10%, well, you only lose the money if you sell it when it's down. Exactly. So if you can afford to just hang on to it for, you know, most of the time it's only a couple months, but sometimes for a couple of years, odds are it's going to come back. Definitely. Um, yeah. So Boeing was one position that I was in and, you know, it just went to shit and it was one that it was real of mm, like the government just said, they're not going to bail them out. Uh, you know, there's a good chance that this is going to go to zero. And uh, yeah, I remember that cause my dad was pretty heavy in that. And I remember we talked about, it. he's like, I'm just worried they're going to go bankrupt. And then exactly. it's going to be that one company that doesn't play out like, most yeah. companies do you'll I sit mean, any, on it and then be screwed any, anything like you know like something like apple or walmart where it's like the odds of them going bankrupt they're so big the oh. odds are going to go bankrupt at are this point yeah so thin so you know like with something like that like when it drops down 20 30 you're like ah, eh, it's sure. unfortunate but I'll hang on to it for a couple of years and it'll come back. You know, I'm playing 100%. the long term game here. Yeah. Boeing was one that, you know, all the writing was on the wall that like they really, really could go bankrupt. Yeah. And, uh, and so, you know, I, I, and that one like defies all trading, all investing knowledge. I mean, you can't control. Yeah. Something like, like it was that, just like, you know, something went wrong and then it went worse and worse. So it's like, I think they had the crash and then it was like travel just like, yeah. came to a screeching halt um and it was like the writing was on the wall for them to go bankrupt and so you know i was talking to my buddy and he was like hey like i hate to say this but yeah like you'll have a you'll have a big loss on the paper it'll ha- help you come tax season sure um but like this is one where you might want to grab your money yeah and i, I yeah this is probably say, very rare did you end up selling yeah yeah i think i i want to say was it like in the thirties, 30 bucks a share. Okay. And then it was like, of course, like, you know, it's off my memory. I've, I've just come to terms with this loss and yeah, then yeah. like down the road, it's like bones back up at a hundred. I'm like, son, son of a of bitch. bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, I think that was the, thing to I think that was the only thing. one, the only one that I've taken a loss on like a big loss. Yeah. Um, that's but good. It, I mean, that's, that's one, I mean, that's like, again, that's like a weird one. That's not like a, like an investment philosophy that, you know, something that you learned a hard lesson on. So that's good. Yeah. I mean, like when I transfer, transferred over my portfolio from JP Morgan, like that was a lot of individual stocks, 
Um, and you know, that just isn't really my play. Like it's not really what I'm going for. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if they, if they were up and it was already a long-term position, um, I would get out of those. Um, a lot of them, if it was still in a short-term position, I would hang on to it till it became long-term and get out of it. And then, and then if it was down, if it was down, I would hang on to it until just like one day was back up in the green and then get rid of it. So I think I maybe own like five individual stocks right now, but okay. So it's it's very heavy mutual funds. Yeah. 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 I just have, just try to grab like a good chunk of each, each sector. Um, that's like the long-term growth strategy that I hear a lot of professionals say, I know like a guy like, like someone like Dave Ramsey is a huge fan of that, mm-hmm. of just like not getting too into the weeds of individual stocks. What's been interesting, I think is during COVID it's been like the first time where I've had just like a handful, just like two parts, one blow up for really no reason defies all logic. And mm-hmm. then two, it's like long-term I'm with you. I think that's the move is just, you just keep pumping money in, whether it's, if you're someone yep. who gets paid every week or every two weeks, it's like you just put a set amount of money and you treat it like a savings account. Well, I mean, just grow. treat it, treat it like you don't even have the money. Treat it yeah. like, like not even that yours. 200 bucks of every paycheck doesn't exist. Yes. Treat it like a tax and just, just shovel it in. Don't time the market. Like if you, if you have like a scheduled payment like that, don't time the market, just yep. put it in, you'll win some, you'll lose some, but it all comes out in the end. Right. Um, I mean, 100%. that's what I try to preach. Um, and I'm, I, I don't know if it's like our, like, I, how, how old are you? Uh, I'm 28. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I'm 30 years old and I can't tell you how many of my friends I asked like, Hey, what type of retirement fund do you have set up? What type of, you know, what, what type of investments do you have? And they're like, I'm 30. Why the, why would I have a retirement fund? So I'm scary, like, you, isn't it? I'm like, are you shitting me? I'm like, dude, retirement is coming. Like, yeah, you can't you hope stop so, it. Right. You want to. Exactly. And it's bananas to me. And, and then on top of it, like, you know, the amount of people that I'm around that based off the clothes they're wearing, the cars they're driving, the jewelry they're wearing, they look like millionaires. And I, I see them and I'm like, I know how much money I would need to have in the bank to justify buying that truck. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm like, I know how much I make and I can't justify it. So I'm like, man, he must be killing it. He must be rolling in the dough. Yeah. <laughs> and then you find out that like, they have like a six year loan on it and they're paying like this outrageous percent and, and then have no retirement. I'm like, Oh my God. Like I just got stressed out for you, man. Yeah. Like, I mean, that, dude, like, that was one of the reasons I wanted to and save. That's one of the reasons I wanted to start this podcast and talk to people, you know, like you, who's doing something that a lot of people see as you know, a wild, awesome career. And there's a whole side to it that I think is just like this. Some of this stuff is, should be simple and it should be well known and it's just like not taught. I mean, you have an engineering degree. Did you learn did you did anyone at you know your university, University of Vermont, teach you guys some of this basic stuff? No. So I I remember the first money I invested. Um so it was my manager, Matt O'Keefe, set me up with a mutual friend who worked at Vanguard. Um, and he like I told him, I'm like, dude, like um uh, I had all my money under a mattress. Like I didn't really? have a bank account, anything. And, uh, you know, we had a house fire scare. So I was like, all right, I need to get a bank account. And then like, I had like a good, good chunk of change sitting in just a checking account. And, uh, and so O'Keefe was like, Hey, I got a mutual friend. He, he does this for a living and he's great at it. I was like, cool. 
And when I met with him, went out for dinner and I opened up a SEP account and a brokerage account with nice. him that, and, and he was going to manage them. And I was like, well, I have no reason for this money. I'm not going to do anything with it. So I'll just give you every dollar I have. And so I think I wrote him a check for, I forget how much, but I mean, it was like, I think it was over a hundred thousand. Oh, wow. Okay. It was a lot of money. Yeah. Like it, it was a good chunk of change. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my buddy, Matt O'Keefe had to like sit over my shoulder and he had to show me how to write a check. I mean, if you've never done it, you've that, never done it. You I know? had never today. It's just like, I no had one never you. written a check. No one showed me like, I don't have a checkbook. Why would I have a checkbook? Like, sure. what am I going to balance it? No. Yeah. Like there's money right. coming in, money going out, you know? Right. Um, no, that's crazy. I mean, it's funny. I, I've talked about this on the podcast a few different times. You know, I went, I got a finance degree from a big 10 school and not that that's a, not that it's a bad program. I love the program I went to, but, um, I, it's amazing leaving. I remember leaving school. My parents helped me pay for part of college, but I didn't even know like what my student loan amount was going to be when I got out. Mm-hmm. Then I, all of a sudden, you know, you're looking for a job and you land a job and you have a salary and you're like, well, shit, how much is my student loans going to take away from my paycheck? Like they don't tell, tell, teach you any of this. And then when you get out and you have to like, I need a new car and I didn't have to get a new car, but like yeah. I needed a car. And so they're like, well, fuck, how much of my paycheck should go to this? Like, yeah. there's, these are like simple things that like, we're, none of us are taught. It's like, dude, the, kind of stumble through and figure it out. The, the rudest awakening I ever had was, uh, being self-employed. Like technically okay. I'm like, uh, like self-employed. I'm an independent contractor, you know, okay. yeah. sponsors, competitions, anything like they don't withhold your taxes. Ah, yeah. You are responsible for that. Good old tax return time came around. The first time that 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 I came to that realization. Yeah. I, I remember, um, so I had been paying in quarterly and like your estimates, like yeah. your quarterly estimates and then come end of year or like early April and I'm talking to the accountant and he's like, all right, you know, you, you owe this amount. And I was like, I was like, yeah, totally. I already paid it, man. We paid him quarterly. Remember? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah you owe this much more. Oh fuck. And, and I had like, I had come to terms with like looking at my checking account and seeing that number. And I'm like, that's mine. Yeah. Earn that. And it's mine. I, I've already paid my taxes. I've already paid all my expenses. Like, right. I get to make plans for that money. And then it was like, I mean, it was over half. That's crazy. That he was like, no, you need to, you need to make one more, one more check. And uh, I remember he told me that and I asked him like 10 different ways. I'm like, so on this money that I already paid, I owe this much more. I asked him like three, four different ways to make sure wow. I wasn't mistaken. Yeah. And, uh, and he was like, yes, you owe that. And I remember just like Gronkowski spiking my phone on the floor and just sitting on the couch. Like, like you see in a sitcom hands over my face and just sobbing. It's like gut wrenching. Um, I mean, paying taxes um, just, sucks. Just it was, sucks. I I just like I just wept. That's yeah. that's all I did. You're like that's my money. Yeah, exactly. Well, especially like, you. I mean, you, you were you were playing you were paying it out quarterly, or you thought you were. So you yeah, were, you um, know. yeah. So you know, like, uh, yeah. There's, so how do you plan? How do you do that now? I'm just totally curious. So like, how, do you? Did your accountant try to do a different way of 
making like I mean, setting so aside that, money? That was like um that that was like my first year paying taxes. So okay. like like we were like yeah, you have to make estimates and when you're not basing it off anything, it's like you basically just have to wing it and yeah, you basically you're forced to overpay so you don't get penalized. Right. Um so now what is it? You have to either pay 90% or no, you have to pay 110% of last year's taxes or 90% of your predicted taxes. Okay. It's between 90 and 110%. Um, so, I mean, now it's like, I've had the same sponsors for a long time. Um, and I, I've changed the way I structure a lot of my contracts before I got heavily incentivized to compete because, um, oh, okay. you know, no sponsors were willing to, I didn't have a good track record. I didn't have any record. Yeah. So they're like, well, no, we're not going to pay you, you know, X amount per month, no matter what. It's like, we'll pay you that amount if you win a competition. Oh. But unless you perform, we're not going to pay you because gotcha. I have no track record to like have, I don't know, like a resume, I guess. Yeah. And, uh, and so it was like, if I didn't compete throughout the year, my income was zero. But if I competed, it was like the prize money. And then like, I got boatloads of incentives. Okay. Um, yeah. So now I changed it around a lot more because I'm able to of like, no, I want more of it guaranteed. Um, That's smart. Because sponsors know I'm going to compete. I'm going to compete consistently. Um, right. So there's more trust there. Um, so my, I'm able to predict my salary throughout the year a lot easier. That's going to be even though, I mean, like, I don't know how much of this is obviously into like the total, but I mean like winning the games versus not like if you didn't make the games, that's a big swing though. I would think. Um, from the games prize money. Um, yeah. I mean, 300 grand is 300 grand. Yeah. Um, from the incentives set up from sponsors. Um, yeah, it, it swings my, that's wild. Um, it swings my salary. Yeah. Lot. Yeah. Right. Um, so, I mean, like when I'm talking to my accountant, he's like, Hey, like what, what do you think your income is going to be? And I'm like, it can be anywhere from this to this. And it's like literally triple if right. I, if I perform well, um, to not performing. Sure. So, oh yeah. No, it's cool. Investing and in all the money things. It's funny. It reminds me, it does remind me some ways of CrossFit where it's like, you have your super high end performers and in investing and yeah. like wealth building, but like nowadays anyone can do it. Like anyone, you can have five bucks and get on Robin hood and with partial shares, you can buy 10 companies with five bucks. Yeah. And have like 0.001 share of Amazon and start your, start your investing and just yeah. keep pumping it in. It's I mean, I'm, I'm surprised it took this long for something like Robin hood to come around. I am too. Um, yeah. Because you know, like uh, I mean, I think Amazon is like, Amazon. I mean, Apple's, Apple's 460 bucks. Tesla to buy one share of Tesla, you need $1,621. I was going to tell you, that's been my biggest, like, my, so I got in on Tesla at 200 bucks, Oh, 200 bucks. I always, everyone always says like, you don't buy enough, but 200 bucks today, they ended the day at 1635 and they announced they're doing a five to one split. Really? So yeah, Apple's Apple's I think at the end of the month is doing a four to one split. Some of those guys that it's the like Amazon, <laughs> Apple, Tesla's, um, they just had an unbelievable couple months out of COVID. But, I mean, it's just, but, I mean, Tesla's one that I don't understand. Yeah. Of, I, you know, I think it's one of those ones that like, it's just like, you know, 
it's the sexy thing right now. It's Elon Musk is like everyone knows who he is. He's a personality. Yeah. He's a personality, yeah. But I mean, uh, what was that I heard the other day? It was like Tesla, Tesla's market cap value is appraised at more than the entire car industry combined. combined. Yeah, it's, it doesn't it's make like, sense. Well, that, it, it, that's it's, not real. And that's the problem that I'm foreseeing now is like, we're, we're going into the stage of there's, I mean, it's going down luckily, but still like extremely high unemployment. Mm-hmm. A lot of these industries are getting smoked by COVID still like that hasn't changed yet. Yeah. The market and these companies valuations continue to just explode. Mm-hmm. And it's like, something's got to give. I mean, there's this, I haven't talked much about it on here, but I don't know if you, if you've looked into much of this, but there's this whole thing that's going on with the quantitative easing, which is the government basically mm-hmm. is printing money and they're investing it in the markets to help these companies but it's like, hold on, where the fuck does that money come from? You can't just—they're they're literally printing money. Oh yeah. So what happened? Like that—that's just fake. It's just yeah. So it what, just what makes, is the it end just makes your dollar? That? It just makes your dollar worth less. Yeah. So it's yeah. like I, I don't know. There's a there's so much weird shit going on this year in the markets and investing and just how all this is gonna fall out. I'm very interested to see what happens. But I mean, interested, scared, scared. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I I really like you know, when, when like March hit and like all the shutdowns happen, it's like, yeah, my account took a, took a hit. Yeah. But it was less than the regular market fall. Um, oh, that's you know, good. Then that's all that really matters, right? You're, you're outpacing. Yeah. The, I the mean, general market. That I mean, it, still hurts. it still hurts. It still when, hurts. When, it always, when you yeah, see I mean, it drop that's, like that. Hopefully though, that, I mean, that, that kind of drop really should be once in a, well, I don't want to say once in a lifetime, but it, it, it really <laughs> should. I mean, like it, it's crazy. My, my track record with investing, like when it was at JP Morgan, I felt like it was all the time. Like I would get a call and anytime I saw his name pop up on the phone, it was like, <laughs> fucking A, why are you calling me? You're like, what because did you do wrong, man? <laughs> you're only calling me. Like he's required to call all his clients. Like if the market dropped 10% or if he oh. lost 10%. Oh, really? Like, like, I, I, I never like lost 10%, but it was just like the There's account value dropped 10%. And he's like, you get the call. Hey, Matt, like, don't worry. And you know, like it's just the market's in a dip. It's yeah, fine. Right. Um, but yeah, it just felt like it was happening all the time. You know, it's been like the last year was the first time that it's like been more consistent and then March shit. Yeah. And, uh, but you know, it was like information for me builds comfort. Okay. Um, yeah, sure. Whereas before I remember, uh, like I got the call that my account value went down 10%. And I mean, it was a good chunk. And, and I got off the call just like devastated. Cause I'm like, I don't know if the market actually took a dip. Did he make a reckless investment um, and yeah. lost the money? Uh, did he steal the money? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't like, know. I don't know. Go? I don't know how to read these spreadsheets. I don't know how to. Yeah. Like whatever he tells you me, and I would do the I same know. thing. I had the same thing and that's why I pulled everything out and do it on my own now. I just, yeah. I hated and, not knowing and needing to get an email or a call or a monthly update on my portfolio. Yeah. And so I remember like the amount that it, my account went down. I mean, this is like three years ago that I got, I remember I got that call and I like, I was devastated. Um, this last March, the dip down that I, that I had was five times that amount. Oh, wow. Like five times bigger of a dip. But because I knew, okay, 
COVID, you know, everything shut down. All these companies can't get their products in. Right. I was aware of what the reason was. And I knew like, like back then I was like, I just lost all of that. But yeah. now I know it's like, I didn't lose anything. It's just deflated a bit. Yeah. Um, so instead of being sad, I'm like, I'm giddy. I'm so excited. Cause I'm like, I, I, I believe, and I trust that all these companies are going to come back in value. So I was throwing money at them. It's, I was buying up shares. That's great. And right. Like um, the one I stuck to was SPY. So the S and P 500 okay. in Which Vanguard. Smart. Yeah. I bought it all like, <laughs> and because I had faith and I like, I had the information that built comfort for me. Yeah. And so every day when I woke up and it's like the market's down more, more, more. And then once I was done investing, it was like, okay, time to grow. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's when you just cross fingers. And yeah, like there are some, I don't want to say sleepless nights, but yeah, like you second guess yourself when sure. Oh yeah, I mean the whole downturn is lasting longer. Right. I I I look at that like just those S and P five hundred purchases now, and I'm just like giggling of like, oh my god, that was so easy, and it was because I just I just kept a pile of cash sitting, just yeah. dry powder, just waiting for that moment. Yeah. Um, so. I, you know what, before COVID, I'll be honest, I, I was always the one thinking like, if I have cash sitting there and maybe it's more cause of Robinhood. Robinhood, you can like get it out and into your back into your bank in a day and a half, two days. Mm -hmm. So I've always treated it as like almost like another savings account. Yep. And, but with COVID, I think it was a, for me and maybe cause we're younger, it, I hadn't had like a moment like that where like, I don't know, we have a mortgage now and we have, you know, a car and I, not a ton of stuff, but like enough or like grown ups enough where like, yeah, we have things we got to pay for. Yeah. And I think for me, it was like a moment of like, shit. Yeah. Like the end of the day, cash is king. It's like, mm -hmm. if you don't have cash to pay for stuff, you have nothing. Yeah. So I know for me now, it's been an interesting balance of like making sure there is some there and, and it can be treated as like a safety net or mm -hmm. to your point, it's what I, what's the best use for it can just be when something like this happens again, hopefully nothing this bad, but like really they're buying opportunities. And the people that, if you look back at, if you look back at March and you look at like the stock market, if you, if you even look back over the last couple of decades, it was probably the biggest transfer of wealth we've seen in the markets possibly oh ever. I mean, yeah. the amount of money people lost and sold. Yeah. And then other people who were ready to buy bought. Like the stock, the stock market has never taken a dollar from anybody. No, man, just switched hands. And, and the, the way I look at it too, is like, I, anything I buy, like, I'm like, I'm, I'm not, unless the company goes to zero, I'm not going to lose money on this right. because I don't need this money for decades. Sure. Yeah. All the money in my Vanguard account is money that I don't need to touch until I'm like, 70. Yeah. You know, like, that's the, yeah, that's, I, I have, a, I have a couple different layers of what I do with my money. Like I have cash in my house, like just it's, yep. It's not a ton. Literally just like, in a safe or whatever. Yep. In a fireproof bag, in a safe. And it's like, it's like if zombies come out, if, if the banks, <laughs> if the banks for whatever reason had a glitch for a week, yep. it's like, I can still buy, still buy gas and groceries and right. Utility, whatever. Um, 
And then I have like my checking account. That's just a little more convenient for tracking expenses. Yeah. And then all the money in my Vanguard account is stuff that I'm like from my checking account, I could live off that for years Yeah. for like very frugally um, for years. Um, you know, the money in my house, I could live off for like a month, maybe. Okay. Um, but, That's good though. You got a balance. You have a plan. But then the money in my Vanguard is like, I don't need this. You know, like I don't, I don't have a mortgage. Um, I don't have a car payment. Um, so it's like my expenses are really, really low. Yeah. Um, so yeah, all all the money in my Vanguard account. So it's like the, the cash sitting in the money market account, that's just waiting for that golden opportunity of the market just to take a, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, that dip we had was like so short lived. We're already almost yeah. back to. Yeah. I mean, we, we're, we're past it actually. Yeah. I think, um, I think both, both, yeah. The NASDAQ and the S and P are back over. Yeah. So before, I mean like it's crazy in the moment. Yes. It was terrifying, but in the grand scheme of things, it was like terrifying for a month. And it's just like, you got to put your money where your mouth is. Like right. you said, yeah. you're going to buy, you're going to sink all your cash into that. Yeah. When it, when it crashed, well, here's your chance. Yes. Um, so no, yeah, I, mean, I totally agree. It's, you know, for me, I was funny. I remember being like, I wanted a little bit more in cash. I wanted literally the same thing you did. I wanted like, mm-hmm. I remember when COVID hit, everything was crazy. People were like stocking up food and like, it was just yeah. nuts. I remember being like, you know what? I'm just going to pull some out. I'm going to put it in cash, just extra cash. Just like, yeah. just why not? And that, it's like probably in the entire, you know, I've been investing for mm, seven, six, six or seven years now consistently and it's the, by far the biggest mistake hindsight's 2020 but i've ever made is like fuck should have just left it all in would have been oh, fine yeah. you know oh, yeah. fine with where we were in cash it's just i just felt like i needed to do it and but it's a good lesson learned it's like you know most likely we won't see another dip like that ever happen again hopefully yeah. that yeah, bad fingers crossed that quick know. yeah you yeah. know what i mean like it's this crazy thing so you know, good lesson learned though, of like how not to handle it. And, you know, I'd rather learn yeah. that lesson at 28 versus, you know, 65. Yeah. yeah. Like when you're looking at retirement and yeah. then you know, you're shit, like, oh, I pull it all now. Shit. And then two months later, you're like, fuck, that would have been back to where it was or higher, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, you know, it could be a lot worse. Do you, yeah. um, do you have any apps or tools you like to use for your investing or do you just use Vanguard pretty much? Um, yeah, just, I just use Vanguard. I think the biggest tool is just talking to people. Yeah. You know, it's the same for me. Like I, I look at it as just another th- thing that I'm training for. Um, sure. You know, I'm trying to learn, you know, like I remember when I had to get better at running, I'm like, I don't know how to make do running progressions or learn how to run better. So I linked up with Chris Henshaw. Um, you know, when I had to learn how to deadlift, I'm like, I don't know how to train deadlifting. So right. I, I looked up like the world champion deadlifter and learned from them. So the same thing with investing of like, well, I don't know how, I don't know how to learn about investing. I don't know where to go. That's tough. Also ask someone who does. Um, And I think, I think it's surprising, you know, like I, like talking about money has almost like this bad rap of it's this thing that like, ah, no, no, you you don't talk about that. Right. I remember like, I'm always like, why the fuck would you not talk about it? That's what everyone cares about the most, which is funny. And it's, well, I think the, big reason why it's like not polite is because so many people put up a facade of I have this amount, but really they're in debt up to their eyeballs. And so then it makes it like unpolite to talk about a hundred percent. So, I mean, I, 
yeah, I, I try to talk to anyone, everyone I can. Um, I've started, I, I found to make it easier when, like when I meet someone that I see their lifestyle or see how they conduct themselves and I'm like, okay, that's something that I like. That's something that I value. Okay. Um, I try to ask them, what is your, like, what do you do for investing? How much money do you spend? Um, how much do you, like, how much do you earn versus all these things? And I found the way to kind of make it easier or a little more polite is asking, just tell me percentages. I don't uh, need to know yeah. numbers. Yep. Like, how much money do you make for taxes? It's like, <laughs> okay, they like pump your brakes. Sure. But, you know, I remember talking to a friend who's very successful in, in the CrossFit space. And I, I was like, how much money do you spend on stuff that makes you smile? Like stuff that you're going to get no value from. It's going to depreciate like a meal, a vacation, all this stuff. Yeah. And I was like, just tell me percentages. I don't want to know. And that's a good way to know, think he, about it. He, and he's telling me, he's like, oh, you know, I spend between 10 and 12% of my annual salary on stuff that I know I'm going to get no return off of. I save long-term 40%, you know, this much goes to my cars and my house. And, and I found, and then if, you know, obviously if they want to open up with actual numbers, well, that, that's up to them then, you sure. know? Um, yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. But I mean, like coming out of college, I got a double major, double minor, like I'm well-educated. Yeah. Um, you know, I've got lots of real world application. I didn't even know how to write a fucking check. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, right? And, and like, that's not uncommon. No, um, no, that's actually, you're probably in the norm. Right. And so like, I, and I remember like after doing some research and reading and, you know, just learning on my own um, and kind of telling my parents about it and like, and then I remember like one time my dad asked me, he's like, Hey, like, what, what do you think about this investment? Or like, I was like, wait, why are you asking me? Like, I'm, I'm supposed to be coming to you for advice. And he's like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I'm like, Oh my God. Like, why is this not discussed? Yeah. And you know, like, no, but this is powerful. Like this, like just having this dialogue and this conversation, like just well, really I, I happens that, around investing. I, I think it's, I think if Robin hood, like that app, I, I, I look at it as its biggest contribution is just getting it into people's houses, yeah. getting it into getting that conversation started, getting that barrier of entry knocked down because now you don't need a $3,000 minimum. And like, where do you go to start an investment thing? Like yeah. I had an account at JP Morgan. I had never even heard of Vanguard. I didn't you know what it was like. Like, why is that not a common household name? Sure. Um, oh, yeah. But Robinhood, everyone knows about Robinhood now. Yeah. You see Low barrier to entry. All the time. You know? And so now, even if, like, yes, maybe 99% of the people, 99 out of 100 people that use it, keep it as that $5 investment. They're using it more out of entertainment and gambling yeah. than they are as investing. But it's gonna it's gonna trigger something in that one person out of a hundred, and they're gonna go and build, do something always, more on it. A hundred percent. I mean, I always tell people, I'm like, like I said at the beginning, I mean, you can literally put five bucks into Robinhood, mm-hmm. invest in a handful of companies. You're not gonna get full shares, but you're still you're still in it. And then I said, there's something to be said as, about as soon as you're into it, 
and you're in, you have money behind the success of a company, you start paying attention daily. You like it just becomes a part of what you do. Like you I mean, go to I, Robinhood I, instead of Instagram and you start scrolling through the news and you're like, yeah. oh, you want to know. I, I look at it as like, you know, like I remember being in high school and like going to, you know, the JV basketball game. It's like, I couldn't care about this basketball game. It was just something to do with friends. Um, right. And I know no one on the team. I have no interest in watching this game. Sure. Yeah. But then, you know, you're sitting there with a couple buddies and you each have like $2 in your pocket. You're like, all right, I put a, like, I got a buck on the blue team. Who's got red. Yeah. And then as soon as you have a dollar riding on the game, well, now it's exciting. Now you yeah. have a purpose for watching it. So I look at that as the same thing with, with Robin Hood of like, yeah, probably most people are just like, they're hearing the word Tesla everywhere. Yeah. You know, they're hearing the SpaceX program. They're like, Tesla's going to go big, man. Let me put yeah. five bucks on it. Right. And now they're paying attention. Yeah. No, it's true. I mean, it gets us all more involved in everything. I mean, I mean, I'm not a super political person, but it's all going to affect like the campaign this fall and some of that. It's crazy. I never gave a shit about politics I'm with you. until I started paying taxes and having investments. Yep. It I, does. Like, it does trigger something in your head. You're like, Oh shit, I, I'm a part of this whole thing until, until I'm like, I was way too late in life to give, to care or follow politics. Um, like it was a little embarrassing how late it was, but yeah, as soon as I started paying taxes, I was like, I would like to know where my money is going. Yeah. Right. Oh, it's important. Right. I mean, yeah, exactly. I think, I think it's the same thing, right. Until your skin's in the game. Yeah, you don't really care. And it's, Does, it's, is is Robinhood? Um, is it only like individual stocks, or there is it you, more? Yeah, it's only individual stocks. They have op, so I can do options on there. Individual stocks. I know they're working on getting mutual funds because that's like the big thing that yeah. I think they, they're missing. That you can do ETFs, which is mm-hmm. I don't know if you know what those are, but like yeah, yeah. So you, that that's helpful. Um, they have crypto now. Um, so they have, a, I mean, pretty much everything except mutual funds okay. in there. Yeah. So, I mean, I think for like, I mean, you can do day trading on there if you really wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, it does everything that I really need to. It's kind of the same as you. Like it, it does everything except the mutual funds, which is like just like long-term stuff yeah. that I focus yeah. on. What? So I mean, it's, it's not sexy. No, not so sexy, it's, but it's the stuff that pays, um, you know, I mean. Yeah, and the, again, the, one, the hope is you're going to be doing this. If you're in your 20s, you're gonna, your hope is that you, can, you don't just touch it for 40 years. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I mean, the big thing that I keep longer. like preaching to my friends and family is like set up a retirement account. Like there's huge tax benefits to this. Yeah. And it's like, just treat it like, you know, 200 bucks a month. And then it always makes it easy of like, you're not allowed to touch this till you're 59 and a half or yeah. 60 or whatever it is. Right. You no, know? um, that was, that was the first thing that I had. That was the first account I opened up. That's great. was a retirement fund because I was like, I want to get it set up so that all I have to do until I'm 60 is just maintain. Yeah. And then once I know I hit 60, then I can stop working and like all that. But yeah, I mean, it's powerful too to do this now while you're in the, you know, prime of CrossFit and like all the things you're doing, cause you're just setting up a long-term success route for you too. Like, you know, imagine trying to do this once you're like, you're thinking about slowing down with it. Well, I mean, my, my first couple of years in CrossFit, you know, so like, as a college student, I was making a shitload of money. Like, yeah. like it's all relative, but as a college student, I'm rolling in it. When you're, when you're going to like quarter and, beer night and yeah, yeah that's kind of money exactly. <laughs> well, it's like, I'm, uh, so before CrossFit, I was living in my parents' basement. Um, I was driving a $300 Osmobile. 
I was wearing most of my dad's clothes of just like, I would like be doing laundry and like, I'm like, Oh, I don't have, I need a new t-shirt. So I'm like stealing my dad's stuff. Um, Yeah. I mean, I'm living as close to zero expense as you can get. Right. Um, And then, and then I like in one year I start making good money. And I was like, crazy. I I just looked at it like, all right, well I lived off $0 a month last month. Why would that change? You know? Sure. Um, So, you know, I, I looked at it as like, okay, I can afford to go to a movie or go on a date or something. Um, I could put gas in my car, but other than that, like I was, I was happy last week on no money. Well, I'm going to stay happy this week on no money and just like all of it, just putting it into investments and putting it away. Um, and then I kept doing that. Like, even still, I don't really purchase anything. Um, you know, like there's the expenses of gas groceries, all that stuff. But I mean, in terms of like hobbies, I don't really have any hobbies that cost me money. And, but it's like, cars aren't my thing so i don't spend money on cars like sure I, yeah, I, I mean like jewelry you know i feel like i just see so many people that it's like like i'm like why did you buy a rolex like yeah like yeah, when you were broke when you were broke like you had no interest in watches but now that you have money now you need a now you need a fifteen thousand dollar watch yeah it's like oh man that's just tough to justify and like i've i've fallen into the trap myself like yeah I, I got a Rolex as, as a gift and that's the cool way to get one. I think. Well, and like, I, I remember when I got it, um, well, it was kind of a, kind of a gift. It doesn't matter, but I remember I knew nothing about Rolexes and I told myself, I'm like, I'm going to, when I get home, I'm looking this thing up online. If it's over 50,000, I'll sell it and put it towards like, uh, the house we were planning on building. Okay. But if it's under 50,000, I'll keep it. And like, I'll gift it to a grandkid someday or oh, something, that's cool. you know? Yeah. Um, so it ended up being under, under 50,000. Um, but then like I had it, I've worn it a couple times. Like if I'm like going out to a nice dinner, I'll put it on or something. Okay. Um, but it's just not who I am. Like I yeah, do not sense. wear nice things or like right. expensive things like that. Um, but after I did wear it and like, you know, you get the comments and then other people come out of the woodworks. Oh, I I collect watches. Oh, you need to get this one, this one, this one. And then I'm looking at going online and looking at it and like, and like, I was about to pull the trigger on, on, on another one. And I was like, what the fuck am I doing? (laughs) Why collecting Rolexes? I'm about to drop 25 grand on a fucking watch. Yeah. Like, like, I don't even I want a digital watch. I want like a $50 like Garmin. Yeah. It's like, at least it'll tell me my heart rate. And I can take my split times when I'm at the track. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. There's a little more than just looks, but yeah, I mean, I, it's kind of like this trap that I think you can so easily fall into. I mean, especially like if you're on social media or anything like that of like, no, you need the bigger, the bigger truck. It's like, do you know how many fucking guys I see driving around in like a lifted super duty 350 and i'm like sure in tennessee yeah i'm like you don't even have a trailer <laughs> like <laughs> like yeah, why like, do you need that like that thing is can tow twenty thousand pounds you don't even own a fucking trailer like that is purely just a status symbol thing 
Yeah, of, right. Like, you know, I mean. Meanwhile, they might have not, not have any savings and no retirement, no yeah, investments. I mean, nothing. yeah. Yeah, I, tough, I really try to be right? conscious like, of like, why do I want to buy this thing? You know, like the yeah. silliest thing, rims on a car. Yeah. Like, why did you buy rims on that car? Like, are you a car guy? And like the rims help you perform better? I get that. Sure. But it's like, if they're just a show thing, it's like, you can't even see the fucking rims when you're in your car. Right. Yeah. Like, no, you're right. So like, why, you know, so I mean, each their own, I guess. Yeah, for you know, sure. I'm sure. But I think there's at- like some, there's definitely some smart moves, better practices. And I think to me, it's, it's interesting to hear people like you who learn some of this through luck or through friends or mm-hmm. through whatever, um, learning it earlier on. Hopefully I'm hoping the podcast and talking to people like you can help, you know, help some people who are really younger too, who may, might just be getting out of college and getting started and, Maybe they want to go buy that brand new car right away instead yeah. of building their savings I mean, I, up. I've, I try to have the I try to have the conversation as much as I can appropriately of you know talking to people about savings or um, you know investing. But then the bigger thing too is just you know living frugal, right? Um, or just not being like like the whole like keeping up with everyone else on Instagram That's... of you know like buying these. Just think, I'm like if your neighbor didn't have that, would you need it? You know, right. type thing. Keep it up um, with the Joneses type stuff. Yeah. You know, it's just, Oh, I, I just see so many people falling victim to it. And, and I'm like, man, if you knew how much that money could do for you, if you invested it and saved it, how powerful <sighs> that would be in 10 years. Yeah. Whereas like, you're going to be paying on that truck for six years. Right. And then like by year four, the truck is worth nothing. And then it's like, if you just, you know, bought the truck that was actually the appropriate size for you and bought something more reasonable and invested all, all the rest, like the financial freedom that you'd have down the road, oh, it'd be worth so much more than that stupid fucking truck. Right. Um, Right. I think people don't realize sometimes how, well, hopefully if you're lucky, how long life is too. And like you sacrifice a little bit now and build well through savings investments real estate you know what i mean it's my favorite thing like when i see someone that like just bought something extravagant i'm like what are you thinking like like that car is over your annual salary how can you justify buying and they're like life short man life short i'm like no life is literally the longest thing you'll ever do yeah (laughs) it's not short like life is going to be a long hopefully be a very long time Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's so true though. Right. I mean, there's like that balance of, uh, you know, living your life, you know, and take it yeah, I think really I, like living it up as much as you can, but you gotta, you know, to your point, most of us will probably that have is, long lives. That is the kind of where I'm at right now. You know, I, yeah. I was broke and I started earning money, but I kept living like I was broke. That's um, wonderful. And so, but I've done that for so long. Like I never made the adjustment Sure. to, you know, you know, buying myself something nice, you know, like I've bought nice things, but only assets. I've, I don't spend money on like any depreciating stuff. Okay. Um, so like the biggest ticket items that I've bought are like property and houses. Um, smart. And, uh, so, you know, that, that's the one thing that I've tried. The main reason I've tried having discussions with other successful people is like, how much of your money do you spend 
on a smile or just yeah. like on a good time. You know what? I might steal that from you. That might become one of my questions on here. Cause that's, a, that was a how, great how much, how much do you spend on a smile? I like, that's a great, the great way to think about it. It's a really simple way. And in, in putting into a percentage, you can ask anybody and everybody, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you get different answers every time. Yeah. Cause I'm, I remember the one, my one friend that I was asking, like, how much do you invest? And he, I think his number was like 30 or 40%. Um, Oh, no, no, no. And the other question was, how much do you spend on a smile? And he was, I think it was between 15, 20%. And he was like, why, how much do you spend? He's like, is, you, is your number about the same? I was like, no, my number is zero. Like I, like, I don't spend any money. If it's not like spending money on a vacation, not happening with me. Really? Never. I was like, well, right now, yeah. it's like oh, any yeah. corner of the world I want to go to. I can just like call up a CrossFit gym or coach a seminar or like a sponsor. If a sponsor flies me. Oh, you talked me, about this in like our first, our first conversation was yeah, just like, like it, you get it. Once you got into the, into the spotlight a little bit, you start getting for free. Yeah. Um, so, I mean like the last like quick trip we went on, um, I can, I had a sponsor fly me to Paris and then I competed in London. And then we took like a couple day trip over to my friend's place in Italy. Oh, that's and so crazy. It's like, what, like, so my, my investment on that trip was, you know, my plane ticket from London to Italy. Does it and even like, work that way with like, uh, the Dubai CrossFit championships? Did you have sponsors fly out there? And I mean, you yeah. try to line it up. Like you'll, you'll try to hit up sponsors of like, Hey, are you going to be there? Like, can we arrange an appearance or, you know, certain sponsors have a travel stipend. Um, oh, okay. so, you know, for, for your year of competing, they will pay for X amount of travel per oh, year. Wow. That's so you awesome. try to line, you try to line it up. Yeah. Um, uh, but yes, I mean, there are certain things that I just, I can't justify spending money on, but yeah. So on one hand, it's like I save, save, save. But then on, on the other, it's like, well, what's the Early point spending. of spending? What, what's the point of working so hard if I'm not going to reward myself with something? Yeah. Um, sure. So, you know, I'm trying to try to find that like responsible level, um, of like, you know, something like a vacation. Um, you know, I've, I've learned to really try to like focus on buying things or spending money on things that I actually enjoy. You know, I'm not trying to buy a car to impress my friends. I'm not trying to buy like this fancy outfit or jewelry to impress strangers on the sidewalk. I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit about those things. Um, you know, even something as simple as like my haircut, I shave my head myself because it's free. Yeah. For an $80 set of clippers, I've had free haircuts for 14 years. Um, That's the way I know. I, I've been, I have, I have like very wavy, longer hair. I need to, I need to go to that method. I'm, I'm about there. <laughs> I'm, I'm tired. Of, I'm tired of going to the haircut place and spending, you know, in Chicago, it's fucking expensive. Yeah. So I mean, stu- I think it's so I've, stupid. I've done it like a handful of times over the last couple of years and every yeah. I'm like, I'm like, man, the haircut was 50 bucks. And then like, how much do I tip? Like, I don't want to be rude. And like, yep. Yeah. I mean, you're if like, you're doing fuck. that every two weeks, it it's adds expensive, up. man. If you're yeah. buying a coffee every right. day. It adds up. Like yep. it's not, it's not big that one time. Right. But when you make it a habit, part of your routine. Right. Oh, it's because yeah. It becomes part of your monthly expenses quickly. You have a big it's another car payment. Just, yeah. It's another car payment. Exactly. Um, yep. Yeah. So I'm, I'm personally trying to work on justifying spending money on myself for things that I actually want because yeah, like, like I, I'm big into like range shooting, like, yeah. Okay. Like going to the range shooting That's steel cool. targets. Like I'm not into hunting, just not my 
thing. Just I guess. target practice um, though. Professional dirt shooter. And yeah. you know, like <laughs> there will be like this, like a new rifle or like, I'll see one that I'm like, Oh my God, that's beautiful. And I'll look at it. And I'm like, Oh, I can't justify that. I can't justify that. And Sammy's the first one. She's like, Oh my God, will you just spend like, you work so hard, like reward yourself with something. I'm like, Oh, I can't, I can't. Yeah. You know, and I've just had, I still have this broke guy's mentality of like, oh, I can't, who am I to spend that much on something that I'm not going to make any, make any return off of. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you probably will be very financially successful too. I mean, down the road. I mean, that's like, you think that's like, that's, that's Warren Buffett's motto or you yeah. know, his memento, right? He's it's, I feel like there's gotta be a balance, like probably to Sam's I, point. Exactly. You know? I think it's, it's a big thing of like, I think there needs to be a balance and I feel like most people in our generation are so far one way and I'm, yeah. I'm probably a little bit on the extreme and the other of like how much I save and how little sure. I actually buy. Um, I always talk about, you know, not to like shit on any of my coworkers, but like I have friends at work, they live in downtown Chicago. So already you're paying for like a one bedroom apartment. You're yeah. paying God, I don't Arm know. a leg. Yeah. Who knows? I don't know how many over two grand, three grand a month probably to live downtown. Mm-hmm. Then they walk in with a huge Starbucks every morning. They go out to lunch and spend 15, 20 bucks on lunch. Yeah. Get another coffee in the afternoon and they're out having drinks at night. I mean, yeah. It's like, much dude, money that your is paycheck, a week. Your paycheck just, just for that day. You're just fueling your lifestyle at that point. There's, yeah. There, there's, there can't be much left over after that. Whereas like I'm, I'm on the other hand of like, I moved to Tennessee because I learned about Vermont state taxes and I was like, see you later. I figured yeah, does, does like, Tennessee a, have like no, in, is it no income zero. tax? Yeah. 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 Vermont, Vermont was 9% or like 8.9% and uh, Tennessee was zero. So That's that was, uh, yeah. Chicago's Illinois is creeping up. I know it worries me. Need to go to yeah, a place I mean, like, like I, I have friends that live in California oh, and boom. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, I, you know what? I'm, I'm, I, it's funny for me and a finance guy. Like I would love to live in California. I'm from actually was born in California and we moved to Indiana and it's like the most beautiful place on earth to me, but I'm sure if I had to actually yeah. pay those taxes, I would quickly be like, never mind, bad idea. Let's get well, out I mean, of here. You're already paying federal then 13 and a half percent state. Yeah. And then I'm, they have a, um, was it a luxury tax? Yeah. I think they have for, like tax performers. On yeah. Um, so I mean, if you're an athlete that lives in California, yeah. Dude, you like get an apartment in Miami. Sure. And claim that as residency, you know? Right. Um, but yeah, I, I, I always look at like, you know, I want to go without luxuries today so I can have freedom tomorrow. Yeah. Right. Um, and so I think I'm getting to that stage where it's like, okay, I can stop penny pinching, nickel and diming, you know, like living super, super cheap um, and start, you know, just enjoying some nicer things in life or, you know, letting my hair down. Yeah. But, uh, in my situation, it's like, I'm able to make that transition that way. But for people our age that have lived luxuriously and haven't oh. saved, they can't buy the time back and, no. and go the other way. So no, I'm sure it's way harder. I mean, how, how do you, how do you backtrack that lifestyle? And usually like probably what you've gotten used to spending or just you're over your head already. So I, you know. I remember I, I had one friend, uh, and he was like, he was, kind of explained to me like some of the luxuries he had in his life and he's like oh man when you know like when i was at this job i was making making great money and like he's like oh i got all my clothes dry cleaned and then he got laid off he's like well what am i gonna do stop having my clothes dry cleaned he's like no i've grown accustomed i'm like 
yes, you stop taking your clothes to the dry cleaner. Like, yeah, you save what don't your you money. Get? You, you can't afford it anymore, so you don't do it anymore. And, and right. in his mind, he was making perfect sense of, well, no, I like it, so I'm going to do it. Oh, boy, like, that's oh. dangerous. Yeah, like, yeah dude, that's you dangerous, can't afford right? it, man. <laughs> yeah, man, come on. Don't stretch yourself too thin. <laughs> oh, my God. That's too funny. Well, cool, man. Well, hey, thank you so much. I I couldn't believe it. I just looked down at my phone. We've been we've now between the two parts, we've done three hours. So we are oh, crushed. We just did a Joe Rogan podcast, basically. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you so much. This was so fun. It was good to get Dude, to talk yeah, to thank, you about. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely, man. Good to talk about you know your career. I'm pumped for you. I'm, I'm pumped for uh you know the online competition and hopefully yeah yeah California. let's go yeah I'm rooting for you, man. And uh, hope you good luck with all your investing. It'd be fun to. Uh, chat with you down the road a little bit i've been meeting some people on here who we're going to do like a year from now or six months from now and just see how the investing's changed and some of that because i'm Absolutely. glad we actually got to talk about that so let's yeah. definitely do it yeah you've got my number um, yeah i mean i mean i'm i guess i'm self-employed so like my, my schedule's open man I yeah no no it was funny i mean yeah I, yeah it seems like you definitely have like your training schedule down but this is awesome that you're able to do this so yeah thanks for coming awesome. on um it was great talking to you and uh yeah good luck with everything man I'm rooting for you. Hey, have a good one. Awesome. You too, man. Thanks again for listening to episode one of the athletes series. Excuse me. Uh, with Matt Frazier. What an exciting episode. I had a blast sitting down and talking to him, and I hope you guys got a lot out of this episode. Just wanted to add a few things as a follow-up. If you want to learn more about Matt Frazier or see himself on uh, Instagram and follow along with his journey as he heads into the CrossFit Games here in a few weeks to hopefully break the record for most individual titles, you can follow Matt at Matthew with one T, Phrase, F-R-A-S, on Instagram. And if you want to look in the show notes, I want to remind all of you, of course, of my two favorite links that I talk about after every episode. The first one being to Robinhood, which is the platform that me and Matt talked about a lot in this podcast. And that is the platform that I use to do all of my trading. So click the link in my show notes and you can get a free stock when you sign up for a Robinhood account. The second link is the COVID stock market rebound tracker. This is where, of course, I keep a running list of all the stocks that I'm either interested in or have invested in as a good starting place for you if you want to jump in to your own investing journey. This could be a great spot for you to get stock ideas and just look at some of the numbers that I look at on a daily basis. And last but not least, if you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with your friends. I can't thank you guys enough who have already done that. And it really does help grow the platform. So I can't thank you guys enough. So if you could uh, leave us a five-star review, you know, write a review and share with your friends if you love today's episode with Matt Fraser, uh, I couldn't thank you enough. Thanks again, everybody. I hope you enjoyed episode 60 and we'll have more to come in the coming days. Thanks, folks. Have a great day.